insight. No, it is really, even though I'm in some sort of weird, like, place I'm not normally, you know, so Monty's into, like, Darth Vader's um, base, basically. <laughs> Remember that one where he came out, I like that. Actually, so the problem is there, that sounded like we were talking about Nerd Legion over on LFM Culture Channel. That was just a poll, whatever. You can go on that one. It's a YouTube channel there. They talk about Star Wars and Star Trek and all sorts of stuff. And guess what? Never confuse the two. Otherwise, well, Thor wouldn't get money because he's too cool, but real nerds will. So, all right, we're here for something insight. Obviously, this show, one of our long-term partners, is Esports Bet, the industry's leading crypto odds matrix. They still have the classic first-time deposit bonus. If you've never gone on there, 50% up to 100 euros. SDT. But if you don't have any crypto and you want to play along at Worlds, and if you actually want to potentially win, because with their esports coin, which is free, you can actually convert it to USDT, which is basically, by the way, if you don't know when I make the bets, that's the currency I'm using on the site. So what you can do is you can also get the esports coin. They've got a bunch of social promotions for that at the moment. Follow them on Twitter at esportsbet, 5,000 ESC for free. Follow them on Instagram, esportsbet.io. 5,000 ESC for that. And then you get, I think, 10,000 ESC if you go to their Discord, discord.gg slash esportsbet. Just go to, do any of these three or all three if you want. Go to the customer support on the website or message the mod mail on Discord when you're there. Tell them you did these things and they'll credit you with the esports coin. And then when we talk now about bets and predictions, you can make bets and predictions. So obviously, Monty, we always do the bet of the week, don't we? So now it's <laughs> going to be the best one ever because we're doing Worlds. Now it's not just a meaningless LCS game we're doing where NRG just wrecks us every time even though they shouldn't win. Yeah, actually, uh, you're the match of the week this week, guys, is is um, uh, it's going to be the T1 match versus Billy Billy. We talked about that on Power Spike earlier. Uh, T1 is somehow, again, a favorite due to the line, even though they are by no means a favorite in terms of the game. So they're at 1.7 to Billy Billy's two-point run now, so some good value. And if you place a $10 bet on the match of the week, you can get, get entered to a raffle to win 20 USDT. And you can also enter that raffle for free by going over to the Esports Bet uh, YouTube channel and commenting with your ESB username on our Competitive Edge. So check out Competitive Edge. We'll talk more about these lines as time goes on. We're we're also having a little bit of a competition at this world's thorn and i uh we're up from our wagers that we put on summoning inside last week so that's fun and we did this... call the g2 upset we did oh, call yeah. it i i didn't call uh, we didn't think that was an upset just like i don't think billy billy beating t1 is an upset Listen, when, it's, when it's like 2.5 <laughs> odds money it's an upset so <laughs> my reality's changed to the betting reality now <laughs> so uh on that point, uh, we're going to do a little head-to-head -head here to make it a bit more exciting since we're we're currently even. And we've got Cloud9 versus Fnatic. Cloud9 currently a favorite at 1.7, Fnatic at 2.1. Now, I think Fnatic is the better team. So we'll go head-to-head -head at 150 USDT on either side of this matchup. I think, you know, Cloud9 has looked pretty pathetic overall. And Fnatic... I think actually had a relatively respectable showing against BLG in spite of Fnatic's flaws. And the funny thing about this one is I actually think it's also a great bet. Like, I mean, the odds obviously are a, a little bit apart, but I actually think this is, it's not that far from a coin flip. Because if you think about like the sort of lane matchups and who's going to have chances, you've got the strengths in different areas. Like, for example, I actually do think that Oscar and him actually looked even decent in one of the losses for Fnatic. Like, he, like he could get the better of Fudge. Fudge is actually a bit of a meme at this tournament. MNS hasn't done anything, but then again, Humanoid, again, flip a coin. You never know which one's going to turn up there. I actually do think 
the one thing you can say is a downer for Fnatic is I don't think Noah's played particularly well. He's never really made it out of that summer split where he was super awesome and they looked great and then they got. I don't think he's he's. He, I think he's he's looked like a rookie, quite frankly. So to me, I'll give Berserker the big edge there. So I think it's quite an interesting matchup actually. I'm quite interested to see what will happen. Like, I think it, again, this could be a great game for the junglers. By the way, Razor can blabber potentially two very good junglers. So I don't mind taking the Cloud Nine side of this. I'll be NA for once on this one. Obviously, Monty had to traditionally pull against NA. So even though actually NA betrayed. My country, I guess, whatever. Technically, Canada, you know, and Australia. All right, we'll take the Commonwealth. There you go, boys. We're going with the Commonwealth on this one. Even though, by the way, technically, as I'll always point out to annoy Sam Matthews, for like is a UK esports talk, isn't it? One of the greatest of all time. So we'll say, Monty. <laughs> Remember, they're tech- they are technically UK. Orcs, That's so true. They are. They are a London, a London-based team. Um, all right. So thank you very much to Esports Bet. Remember to use our referral code if you're signing up and get that 50% deposit bonus up to 100 USDT. So very good time to sign up. Play along for free. Play along with responsibly, you know, uh, whatever you like. And check out Competitive Edge over on their YouTube channel as well, where we'll dive into more of the specific matchups if you want some further analysis on that front. Um, now we will begin with our complaining about formats because you know what Thorin? Had to be done yeah you know what thorin i now am seeing ridiculous reddit posts telling me not to complain <laughs> about the swiss system Brilliant. because here's the Love here's it. the thing thorin the worst is yet to come people don't realize the no, no, landmines no. yep. are it's everywhere two two game mate. the two two games are the ones that'll kill you especially because there's two aspects to it mate not only can you get the bullshit one like we're going to talk about like two teams that probably shouldn't have a chance can play each other. But it's even worse, Monty. A lot of people don't understand. The actual results of Swiss also determine the bracket. So actually, it is a big deal if, if some like top Asian team got like a killer, a murderer's role, like they say in poker, mate, because then they're going to be like a 3-2 team and then they can play a 3-0 team. So like Katie Rolston, for example, could just play like Gen G in straight up in the quarters. Meanwhile, you can have some <laughs> nonsense ones. So yeah, go on, give me, give me what the landmines are already looking <laughs> All right. for. All right, so here's the thing, because you have to remember how these teams are going to get seeded. Now, everybody knows that JDG and Gen G are going to be the 3-0 teams on opposite sides of the bracket. Now, the thing is, Perfect. is that... Because there are going to be three teams exiting at 3-1 and three teams exiting at 3-2, the 3-2 teams get randomly drawn against Gen.G and JDG. So one of the 3-2 teams is going to get a much easier matchup, just arbitrarily, right? Just arbitrarily. Um, And, you know, by that logic, too, one of the 3-1 teams is going to draw the other 3-1 team, and then the last 3-1 team is going to draw the other 3-2 team. So you can already see the problems here in quarterfinals. But the real issue, Thorin, is that the all after the first round of competition, all the seeding has been entirely random. There is no strength of schedule seeding in order to determine the next matchup. This insane thing, Monty, where rather than acknowledge this and just actually listen, if you like, if you like a system that's just like randomized and you want crazy matchups and you want like really unfair or very, let's say variable matchups, Monty, just acknowledge that's what you want. Instead, yeah, what they've exactly. done, Monty, is you ready for the Jungian analysis here? What they've done is sublimated <laughs> their pleb sense that they just want WWE music. Oh my god! And they've made this fake narrative that this like. Literal, like, fucking NPC Korean-type guy is, like, the one drawing them. And they've done that thing that they do, Monty, which I hate about esports, where you believe in caster curses and you believe the guy who picks a random ball is, like, choosing the one. And so everyone's like, oh, and they've made this guy, like, the avatar of creating the matches. Like, he's saving the West. Like, no, that's the system. Like, he's just picking randomized. Like, he's, he has no selective power whatsoever, does he? <laughs> 
I, I mean, you, you can really just see the flaws with this system very apparent because especially because of KT's draws like KT said in it has had to play BLG D plus Weibo LNG. And there is a possibility that they could play BLG well, again in a best of three to determine. And would you say, guys, well, they could that play that... like T1 or something? Exactly. exactly. I know it's metal, isn't it? I know. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cloud9 or Fnatic could win and then play NRG for a spot in quarters. And you're going to go ahead and tell me that, that this is somehow fair. Especially because NRG's path, by the way, was losing to Weibo, beating Team Liquid, beating Mad Lions, and into G2. And even if they lose this, they would just have to, like, they could literally get through here. This was the scenario that people talked about, where a Western team can lose to all Eastern opponents that they face and still make quarters, which is bananas. That is that is completely he, bonkers. Like, look, we're obviously not saying we favor NRG to be, win the best of three. But the point is, because of the way the tournament's gone, this is where they're all messing up, Monty. Because they're not thinking properly about the format, they're only looking at who you play. They're not looking at who you won and lost against, right? So they'll say something stupid like, but they played Weibo. Like, by the way, Weibo the, is the, the worst Chinese team. Chinese seed. Arguably the worst of all the Asian teams, they just had a higher ceiling than D plus, right? So when you when you play that team, it's not about that. It's about the fact, that, as you say, you never had to beat them. You never had to win that game. So the stupidest part is this, like you say, because NRG beat Team Liquid, team that isn't even supposed to be at Worlds, Melty S, but EG fucked up and TSM fucked up. Then they beat Mad Lions, who everyone has memed on for months. By the way, they had to get what nine game losing streak or something. Now, if you just Remember, anyone could fluke like a BO3 against vaguely comparable opposition. Like, basically, think of this, right? Say G2 wins game one. NRG has like a really nice close game two where they just win like a late Baron game. And then game three, all you need to fluke, a one game fluke, and bang, you're in the quarters of worlds. And here's the real problem, Monty. When someone goes back in history, like me, but in 10 years, and they don't know the scene, they're like a new journalist who comes along and they're trying to do esports history, they're going to pull up Gamepedia, Monty, and they're going to go, wow, look at this format. Look how many Asian teams were in here. Holy shit. NRG. RG was in over, like, insert KT Rolster, T1. <laughs> they must have actually been, like, a top team that year. This must be, like, one of those great runs of all time. And as you just said, all they would have done is, look, credit if you beat G2, but that isn't enough for quarterfinals of World Championship, mate. Not World Championship. But but here's the thing. They it's can lose to wouldn't be your ones over T1 and Mad Lions No, well. but they could lose to G2 and then just beat Fnatic, and that would be it. They yep. would be in. That, yes. I, that, that is because just insane. the problem as well. This is also where people never realize it. It's not even just the individual draws. You're right, Monty. It's how they compound. The problem is, this is why bad... Uh, uh, this is the, it, It's the same in life, by the way. Small bad decisions lead to bigger bad decisions, lead to bigger ones. Like That's why, actually, like it's about having a philosophy in life. So the problem here, like you say, is because Fnatic and uh, because people like Team Liquid and Cloud all had scuffed roads, that's led to this point where now if two of them win, they get the... the the exordia shit draw that should never be able to exist. Well, and, I think and some he, of these are criminal, man. Here, here's the thing. If you used a Bucolt system in Swiss, right, and you did strength of schedule, then NRG would have to play, like, the best remaining team because uh, there's... That's not how it works, mate. No, because the problem with the Bucolts is that, that goes off stuff like... Uh, it's it's more complicated than that. It is basically. slightly it, more it, complicated than that. It goes off internal logic. It's not off like the seeding as far as I know. Like it no, depends it's on who. Yeah, it's it, it is off strength of schedule, but it's not as it's not as it's not as obvious. Like it doesn't always work. Basically, I mean, it would. I think it would work. It would apply better to this situation, especially Maybe. because oh, it'd be better than random. Yes. Random, here's the problem. I'll I'll make a point to someone if you don't understand. This is how. This is why. 
Meteos and Sneaky don't understand why an infinite number of monkeys with infinite typewriters and infinite time would eventually write everything because they would produce every possible permutation, which is what random is, right? And the beauty of random is you can have the best possible thing, but you could also, by definition, have the worst possible pattern emerge from random because it contains all patterns ever. So actually, by definition, by having this format, you can have the worst ever seeding. And look, we're almost at that. I'm not even joking. And this is actually worse than I thought because normally, right, you get like, like I said, it doesn't always have to compound. Like maybe in this match, okay, NRG gets this, but G2 wins. So it ends up not looking that bad because G2 could have made top eight anyway. You know, that's not that bad. And they beat down one, right? That's okay. That fixes it. But as you say, the Fnatic Cloud9 one is the one that ruins it. That one as well is going to be the nightmare because if that gets drawn, we've ruined the next round of the matches. Yeah, and, and the thing is, because we also don't have double elimination, we're in a situation where a, a team like KT, who might legitimately be a top four team at this tournament, but not capable of beating LNG, right, gets ad into 3-2, then they draw JDG and just lose, right? And th and then that's it. And then we don't get, like, what happens if they draw Gen G and lose? Well, then we, you know, we don't get a best of five between them and any of the Chinese teams. Sure, we get a best of three versus LNG, which I think that, you know, KT are the underdogs for. Uh, but it, I, it's just, it's hard to justify this system with the way it is. And as you said, Thor, and this is not the danger. People don't understand. The danger zone is not what happens in the first couple of rounds. It, what It's what happens in the 2-2 two, two rounds. And then what happens in the draw, the quarter draw afterwards, where we're just going to get undoubtedly some pretty unsatisfying or disappointing quarterfinal matchups. And this would be, I guess, slightly better if it was double elimination, but even still, you don't always, the system doesn't necessarily select for the best eight teams. And people's logic on this is so fucking wacky because I've seen comments like, well, it doesn't really matter if you don't get the top eight teams. Cause if a team drops out of Swiss before the round of eight, then they weren't going to win the tournament anyway. And it's like, uh, it's not just about who wins the tournament, guys. Like, I actually care about who is the third and fourth best team in the world. I care about that. <laughs> you may not. You may just care about who takes number one. But I would rather have a double elimination system where I get discrete placements. Seven, eight, five, six, one, two, three, four. Right? I care about that. I want to see more and a variety of matchups and how team style is like interact. Like I said, where if in 10 years you look at the bracket, you know, like, oh, the team that was fourth, probably the top four in the world. That's what you want to believe, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, another thing as well that's absolute nonsense about that logic is, think about what they're saying there, guys. That fan is everything I hate about modern sports fans. Here's what I despise about modern sports fans. NFL is what taught me this, Monty. Because in all the sports I was watching, NHL, NBA, it's a best of seven. You know what? Usually the better team wins, of course. Because the NFL is a best of one and you have injuries and 53 players on each team, right? And then stuff like, if you don't know, guys, in the NFL, essentially, it's it's worse than the NBA. Every single offensive lineman is making a foul every single time. And it's just if the refs decide, like, I'm going to give this one actually as holding. No, that's not holding. And the joke is there's even a famous saying that coaches say in high school, like, hold, but don't get caught. Because that's what being a lineman is, right? So basically, in a like that with a million variables 
People act like it's a movie or an anime. I actually think this is what's corrupted their brains, by the way. And when they watch the anime, if the good guy wins, he was better. He was Goku. He actually deserved to win because what he did, they don't get what variance is. So basically, what they just said to you there, Monty, think about what I'm going to reformulate their statement. In a League of Legends tournament where we draft differently each game, including based on past information and other matches surrounding us to set the meta, someone losing some BO1s that were unfairly drawn in a Swiss system means two weeks later they could never win a best of five that's i've just changed every variable every single variable time place meta format in drafting opponent like it's mental the level of variance like that's that statement is so stupid it's insane because if you ever go back in history by the way teams win that were like they weren't even the best in their group of one world. It's like IG won when they lost to KT for that game, that decider in like season eight. So logically, if they came second, like if they'd have lost one more but your one, they would never even have been in the playoffs, right? So then they would have never won worlds, would they? Like, what sort of counterfactual is that? It doesn't make sense. And so you've got to stop that. That's why, that's why, by the way, another thing about this format is it's just obvious to me with the amount of time that you have, you need to literally do something like take half the seeds or take the planes and make it a different tournament so that this can be best of three Swiss. Because there's another thing, mate. I can't handle that as well. Like, one of the teams we didn't even mention who got a hard draw is how about being BLG? Think about this, guys. There are some people who think spiritually BLG is the second best team in the world. They think LNG just got them in the playoffs by some big performances and some nice drafting, right? But actually, because BLG can only lose to JDG, still the case, they might be number two in the world. So are you ready? I'll just run down in my mind what the seeding would be because I'm going to seed for real, you know? Like, I would essentially do, like, it'd be roughly, like, you know, one from Korea, one from LPL, one from uh, LPL, two from LPL, two from LCK. I'll go like that, right, until, like, the top. And then maybe, let's say I took out Reborn, G2 as my eighth seed, right? Here's how BLG's life was at this tournament. Congrats, you've drawn KT Roster in the opening round, but that's impossible. I'm number two seed, and they're like, what, number number five or number six seed? Sorry, you did. Sorry. So I drew them. Oh, that's weird. At the same time, like, you know, people like Cloud9 was playing Mad Lions. Oh, don't worry, though. It'll get better in the next round. Next round, BLG, because you won against KT Roster, an opponent that you should never have been taking. Your reward, JDG, a team that might go down as the most unbeatable team in the history of League of Legends. But I lost <laughs> to them. It's okay. We got the pick-me-up, though. We get you Fnatic. Right, finally. It's starting to even out again. Well, now I've got the Fnatic win. Let's get ready. And T1. So that's... that Because I beat Fnatic, my prize, while Cloud9 plays Fnatic, by the way, is... I'm going to go and I'm going to play T1, who in this logic, that would be number two, BLG, if you believe they're number two, against what? Number five, number six in the world, T1. And then after that, by the way, say I lose that one. Am I ever allowed to lose to a low seed, by the way? Apparently not if I'm Asian. If I'm KT Roster and BLG, nah, I'm, I'm like, I'm on nightmare mode here. Let's say I lose to T1. In the next round, I could just get LNG, KT Roster, like... This is mental. Oh, and also, as you mentioned there, a difference between this Swiss and Counter-Strike, if you watch it, is in Counter-Strike, we don't ever let you play the same opponent again. So what we tell you is this. You know what? You drew, K you drew KT and uh, JDG BLG. But you know what? If BLG had lost, you don't have to get them again, though. You can't get them twice. Oh, no, don't worry. You could actually get BLG. You could, in theory, get JDG like two or three times in this tournament. That's how stupid this is. Now, luckily, that never happened. But that is possible if people don't know. So this whole thing, like you say, it's actually a great analogy. It's just a minefield. Look, because it's random, Monty, we might go through the minefield and survive and go, wow. But it doesn't mean there wasn't mines in there. 
And we might go through and might all blow. And here's the real thing to spin it onto like a topic, conversation topic. Let's be real. This is why I had to make that point that I despise it because I'm an elitist. But I knew Western fans would love this format. Of course. Because what the problem is, Monty, they're, they're just doing this mistake where because it has benefited the teams that they want to have a chance, they don't know that has to come at someone else's expense. It's a finite system. So every time... Cloud9, NRG, get the better draw. That means that KT and BLG get fucked in the ass. And what? And for what reason? How did they deserve that? Because as you said, bring it back. Every fan doesn't go, well, it was a bad day, you know, Monty, and this team was actually a really good team like the Dallas Cowboys three years ago, but they had a bad playoff game. It didn't work out, you know. No, no, what you do instead is you just go like... Well, if they were actually that good, then why didn't they get out of the Swiss? And then you forget all these matchups. No one in history will ever go, well, they played X, Y, Z. No one will do that. Everyone will just look at the raw placing and go, you were ninth place. You were actually worse than G2, for example. <laughs> well, it, it just sets up. I, you know, I, I know fans, like, for whatever reason, Western fans want a team, like a Western team to get through quarterfinals. But in the example that we gave, let's say NRG loses to G2, which they almost will certainly, they will almost certainly do, right? And let's say Fnatic beats Cloud9. And then NRG and Fnatic play and NRG wins. And then they go through the quarterfinals. And then let's just say NRG gets lucky. They're not the 3-2 team that is drawn against Gen G and JDG. Then what we have to watch is like, I don't know. LNG or KT play NRG in a best of five. NRG gets completely shit stomped 3-0 in that scenario. And we just wasted a quarterfinal match. What was the point of that? What was the point of them getting through, right? Even if they get the best possible draw, there isn't a chance for them to win the game. And so we all go home poorer because we had to watch a garbage, a garbage best of five. It's like I say, the problem is the difference between a BO1 and a BO5 is so drastic that, like you say, even though you... Look, the point would be NRG did have a chance in the BO1s, as they showed, but they wouldn't have had a chance. That Yeah, I agree with you. In the BO5, they would get completely slaughtered. It'd be a waste of time, everyone's time. Yeah, yeah and here's here's another thing, Thorin. We could see NRG G2 again in the quarterfinals. We could see a best of three now, and then a best of five yes, of three later on. Three two. Yes, exactly. and, then, yep. and then G2, what? They get a free semifinal match, and then they get clobbered by an Eastern team, and then we just somebody just gets a free ticket to the finals? Like, you think you want these things, Western fans, but you don't. It's basically like the quick dopamine hit, and then just the fucking terrible come down, dude. It's like you did a hard drug, and then all of a sudden, you're coming down the next day, and you have the worst hangover ever you have the worst fucking headache you're vomiting everywhere and you think to yourself was this worth it was it worth it just just like for five minutes of fun by the you know way I mean? this is where also people don't get it you know like this is why the minefield analogy is a great one the, the worst thing is gen g and jdg both got through the minefield so it looks like the format works right everyone wanted chovy and knight gen g and the number one seeds on opposite sides right but remember if one of them loses one bo one it's over they can be now drawn into the same match never mind the same side well think about look who jdg got it's only because they're unbeatable by the way the system didn't break they were drawn against fucking blg and lng you are like begging for them to lose this game there that's all like here's what I would say, right, here's a, a scenario as a hypothetical fans. Imagine two scenarios. Imagine one, you wanted one of the number one seeds from the Asian region to not make it through 3-0. How would this draw look any different? Then imagine that you wanted, incredibly cynically, some shitter team like Team Liquid or NRG to have a chance. How would this draw look any better if you wanted to rig it? 
I propose you couldn't rig it any better, almost. Like, the NRG one especially is crazy. The NRG one is really bad. to me how that one's going. I know. It's bad. <laughs> and, you know, it's, and it's not the most likely outcome that they face the winner of Cloud9 oh, or Fnatic. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it it's actually the least because it's only one, it's exactly. only one, it's one scenario, in scenario, obviously. Yes, exactly. So, it's luckily, it's that... Hopefully, we now get some nice dice rolls. We don't go snake eyes, and we just get some decent ones on the way out, and it ends up... Because here's the thing. As we'll now start to talk about teams, look, I never had a problem with G2 going through. And quite a funny how they've played. Totally fine if they get through, yeah? They actually look like they can do some... Maybe do some damage. Like, if they're the eighth team, at least they have a crack in a BO5. Like, as you're saying, if they go through now, maybe they get drawn against, like... As it could be like a BLG and Ellen. That'd be like an all right match for a couple of games potentially. That could be that could be spicy. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so yeah, this this whole thing has been disappointing. And like I know people are just justifying their fandom of the Western teams to, Dude, to people make used to justify to, the round robin yeah. system. Like they'll they'll just make it, they reverse engineer they're, the opinion, Yeah, they're reverse you know. engineering this so, really hard. I've got yeah, one other part point I have to make, because this is where I realized. This is why we can't have nice things. It's when even famous people complained about two teams from the same region being drawn against each other. You never got it. You still... 2023, season 13, 10, 11 world championships, and you still don't understand that by definition, to make them avoid each other means that, like, for example, like, suddenly the top teams can't even place proper of opposition because you'd have to keep making them awkwardly not meet each other. So... <laughs> the whole point of the Swiss is because you can play anyone. Of course, you can play someone from your region. Now, look, sure. I would get it if it was this, Monty. Say you had some nightmare draw where, like, C9 literally did just only play Team Liquid, NRG, and then, like, you know, a European team. That would be one thing. This is just one BO1. People were complaining because, like, BLG players are BO1 against JDG. Like, I'm going to explain this one time to you if you're a League of Legends fan. <laughs> this is the World Championship, not fucking wrestling. <laughs> if you are in CSGO, they don't go, bloody European teams being drawn against another European team on the ground. It's the World Championship. Once you're there, everyone plays everyone. If it's in fucking Dota, you don't go, well, on the bracket, you shouldn't be able to play someone from the same. No, of course that makes it. Once you've qualified, you're just teams in the tournament. Here's the thing. I only vaguely understood it on the Riot side when you were the group because you knew you were only going to play three opponents. Then it vaguely made sense. You don't want to always just play at the match. No. Then you can play anyone. So you have to allow it like that. Get You're actually complaining about an old problem in the format, guys. And that doesn't make sense. Like, you don't want that back. You do not want Riot to make it so you cannot play the same region it would be so silly uh, it's also the fact thorn that we have you know i really enjoyed the play-ins tournament and so did everybody else it seems and we didn't have best of ones you know what i mean like we didn't have best of ones in play-ins why do we have best of ones now i thought can we just take best of ones out behind the shed and shoot it please Dude, think about this in uh, in lec we only ever had bo1s in that fucking first two weeks monty Which ever time. we had like six weeks you know of the whole year like even our groups was bo3 and there was plus <laughs> again i agree with you why do they do this i don't get it why do they start well we know the reason why but i'll pretend i'm re rhetorically that i don't know why do we build the best formats at the bottom of the system and then at the top where it's all the best matches why are we making the the, the least sturdy formats yeah you're right it doesn't make any sense does it? why do we as we've said a million times we can accept singularly if you make this part really sturdy, then I'll accept it. Otherwise, make this shit, but then double a limb. But then they're like, how about worst of both worlds? How about not? How about not, Riot? How about not? <laughs> I just I just don't get it, man. Like, why why do I have to watch two best of threes of Detonation Focus Me, but I only get to watch one best of three of JDG and Genji? 
Why? Why no, is that? <laughs> why? Why, why, I, is, look, why is God punishing me like this? <laughs> Riot has Riot's got us checkmated on this one, mate. Because here's why we can't win. One, they've never actually uh, on, look. They've seen it at MSI, but at Worlds, they've never seen a better format than this. So they have to say it's the best. And you know what's the worst thing, Monty? It is the best. And you know why? Because it's classic Riot. Because they made it so shit before that. <laughs> This is the thing about Riot. The reason people think they invented esports is because it's like they made their esports so bad in every regard that just to make it all right was like, holy shit, they've improved this lot, haven't they? And then like they get credit for stuff like they should already do. This is like basically if I made my room 10 times messier as a kid, then my mum was like, clean it up. And I cleaned it halfway up. And I was like, look all that. I did shit. Nah, you cleaned it a bit then. So I was supposed to clean the fucking room. You don't get first points for doing half of it because he made it even worse. Like that's what Riot does every fucking tournament, mate. And as I yeah. said earlier, just remember this, guys. When the when the draw ends up, uh, however scuffed it's going to be, and there's going to be at least one team will get an unfair draw. It's just obvious at this point in time. Because remember, like I said, you could even have like BLG versus JDG the first round as well. By the way, like when this happens, just remember. We had MSI. We already we already know what an awesome yes. fucking tournament looks like. That is, a, I I'll give Riot full credit for that one. In fact, you know, in that analogy, Monty, that is where they cleaned their room. I told you that is that was the best League of Legends international tournament ever, in my opinion. Like I think yep. that was even better than IPL five. You know, because we're in the modern day, we're like real teams. Bo fives. Like, that is the best tournament. Ever. Props to Riot. What I don't get is. Bloody, just share the wealth. Put that in the worlds as well. Because here's the other thing. Right now, if you don't know, TI's going on, if people don't know. The reason TI mercs League of Legends every year is because of their format. They have the IPL5 format, if people don't know. So why Riot? If you take that format for yourself, you look, Dota fan won't like it, but to us, like purists who are just looking at the eSport, you win. You have the biggest one, most fans, all the regions, by the way. That's the thing I always give Riot credit for, Monty, for years now. They're the only game that has every major region activated, trying to play at the same time. It's not like Dota. Well, you know, the Koreans don't really play it. You know, like, oh, what about this? Well, NA is not really that big in CSGO right now. You know, you don't have that. In this game, there's no excuses, but the format is what makes the excuses. That's what's sad. And as you said, I don't, listen, I don't mind people cheering. Like, if, if I'm a fan of Fnatic, right? Of course I love this draw. This was my dream. I could never have wished for better team for C9. But the issue here is, don't then frame it as, this is a great draw for the tournament and the format is great. That's not true. Come on. Just admit your bias. Like, I'm admitting my bias. Like, I don't want any of these top teams to have the bad variants and play each other. There, I've admitted it. There we go. Move on. What, what a disgusting bias you have, Thorin. What an absolute revolting bias. <laughs> I'll give you an example of why, though, Monty. Because here's the thing. It's the same concept I said before. When you have a finite amount of success, credit, um, favor to give someone, that means by definition, someone else had it taken away from them, right? So here's what kills me inside. When I see that like Team Liquid finished last, but they shouldn't have because they had to play GAM. They were given a B-off against GAM and they could have come second to last at a main event. You ready? Get that historian that's 10 years from now, Monty. He's looking up on Gamepedia. Oh my goodness. Team Liquid was better than... Top esports with Jackie Love and Rookie because I saw those things where Jackie Love's at the tournament or whatever. Oh no, Rookie because he's Koreans at the tournament. Imagine being Rookie. You're sat in Korea. You played awesome this year. Dickens on Reddit. No, he didn't qualify. He was still really good. He utter idiot. He was even getting all pro. He, he's mega, right? He sat there in Korea. Mm, I played him one of these one time. I wonder how APA will do against whoever the fuck plays mid lane for Gam Esports. <laughs> mm, this is a thrilling game. I wish I was as good as them. And then I'll tell you what. The cherry on the top of the shit sandwich, man. Where Riot can't just do this, they must gaslight you like some fucking insane gulag scenario. What did they say? Did you see that tweet? I like 
roasted on Twitter. When they announced the main event, Monty, they did the thing I can't handle. They said these are the top 16 teams oh, in the world. Oh, no. Isn't that for real? On LOL Esports Twitter, these are the top 16. Not even these are six of the best, 16 of the best, which is what you do. These are the top 16 in the world. So, by the way, if you play for, like I said, EDG or Hey Ali, you're shit, mate. You're nowhere near the level of fucking... Dorkler. Hey, all right, rookie. Tell you what, get on APA's level, will you, motherfucker? Oh, what's that? Zika from Hannibal Life, reigning world champion. Tell you what, you might want to go and join Team Liquid. That's it, Jim, you Brit. You know what I mean? It's a fucking joke, isn't it? They just ruined all the narratives. You know Wait, what? I should look at it the other way. This, this is why I should use, like, you know, like fucking disaster capitalism logic, Monty. Really, this shit chaos means that I, I, we are the only ones who can like navigate through it and explain what actually <laughs> happened. So essentially, we become essential. We're like the navigation. We're the fucking guild in like June, using the spice of actual real esports. We can navigate through all the fucking minefields of the galaxy while everyone else just has to go at normal speed. I know. Spin it this way. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It Otherwise, we we wouldn't have work. So I guess it's okay. No, exactly. <laughs> And also, that's it. along similar lines, shout out to all the dog shit Western analysts who still insist, like Aziel, of going, great format, this is brilliant. I saw him do a tweet the other day that killed me inside, bro. He even <laughs> tweeted when that match was going on of like an all um, Western one. He was like, this is... I've, he said something like, NA's never won a best of three I've ever cast against like Europe or something. It's like, this is every tournament. But I told you before, he has mastered his craft, mate. He knows how media works. He he hypes them ironically. You know this. You know my boy Wax Angel. Remember him? Oh, don't worry. He's the one who infected Fion. That's a, that's a cult there. That's a cult lineage, by the way. They do that thing where you, you start with snark so you can shit. This is like some bullshit, like hipster shit, by the way. So you can protect your feelings in case actually someone goes, that's just stupid what you said. You go, I was just being sarcastic. I was just memeing on him. But then if they win, you go, I meant it, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm the biggest fan of TL. TL, baby, yeah. Like that's what you, like like the joke is everyone now's dunking on TL, right? Everyone's saying they're shit money. Shouldn't even have been at the tournament. But I'll tell you what, when they like almost won against T1, woo! Bit of a different vibe there, wasn't it? People doing the Mexican wave, baby. Yo, shit, yo, give me a break. Like they were loving that shit. No, they were loving all the Western teams there. By the way, there's one thing we should start actually talk about. To be real, aside from this format shenanigans. Props to G2. What the fuck has the yes. rest of the West been doing right now? This is terrible. You guys are actually, by, it's already the format giving you a chance. Back to, back to Azale's tweet. Uh, I, I did have a chuckle because oh, he was, uh, he said something like, I've been casting League of Legends for eight years and I've never cast an international best of win for an A right before he casted the TL yes, versus Gam match. Yes. And then Gam won. And then Gam won. I did laugh. I did Wait, laugh. Come on, I'm gonna t I'm gonna tell you this because I'm just gonna throw this out there. I love banter, but I'm so sick. This is the thing that if people don't know it triggers Richard a lot. It's not that there are like weird rules and we all have to follow them. It's that the rules are literally just today key today, not even yesterday. You can get cancelled for yesterday's shit. Today's American cultural norms, everyone in the world must know them today and follow them, otherwise they're fucked. But if you but as a result, if an American doesn't know the cultural norms of the rest of the world, no problem. Because America runs the game. So uh, did you see the sign, Monty, that took place during the Team Liquid versus Gam game? Yeah, I did see that. The sign, it's listen, it's funny, but are you ready? There's a sign that said, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I think it was shown on camera. Yeah, that's... I'm not sure if it was actually shown on the stream, but I saw a screenshot of it. Now, here's the thing. If we're going pure old... You know the old school internet. That is like... That's like 4chan posting me. Like, yeah, that's banter. Like, it's edgy, but it's banter. 
who that imagine imagine the same sign guys a fan of vietnam would say something like your twin towers will fall in this game and then a picture of 911 you know what or i mean like we we, we won in the 70s <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, yeah, just, yeah, we sent your boys home in body bags, last helicopter out of Vietnam. You know what I mean? Like, this would be yeah. outrageous. I think it's all in bad taste. Thing, guys. Don't go that far. Don't go that far. Come I, on, boys. Yeah, it, I, I think for an esports event, like, that was that was in poor taste overall. But I do see your point just about... Just don't mention any more crimes. You know what I mean? Let's just keep all crimes off the menu yeah, in general. No more you know? crimes in esports events. Uh, unless... The only more crimes are the format that Riot uses. There you go. You know, unless they're, you're part of a Saudi Arabian-owned org. Uh, uh, don't look up Yemen, guys. That's that, don't look up Yemen. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? Here's the thing, Monty. It's like I say in CSGO. There's no Yemen because there's too many yes men. There you go. There's the line for you right there. There's the line. Put that one yeah, in the back. I, I, I did think that was I did think that was in, in poor taste, uh, for sure. Bongo. And like the 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 team liquid I, I look the team liquid match I think is wild. Now I called by the way that team liquid was in fact the worst team at this tournament. I yep. said Gam was a better team. We actually got to see the head to head. Gam fucking won. And the thing about team liquid is everybody got all hyped up on the hopium because they had a very strong early game against team liquid. The thing you saw guys was the absolute ceiling of team liquid's That's play. Also against a T1 team that is much worse than people think they are. Dude, they fucking ended like minute three of the game with that <laughs> top guy that just gave a free tower kill to somebody who did nothing. Like, like the game couldn't have started better. They were like gifted the dream star, weren't they? Yeah. So so what, what I'm saying, guys, is you both... Uh, you saw what was the the apex of T1's capabilities. Now, don't get me wrong. Pioshek had a banger game. I mean, some of his Lee Sin outplays were good. great yes. in that game. So yep. I'm not trying to take things away. But at the end of the day, you still have Yon and APA. And counting on them to not make a mistake throughout the entire game is too much to ask from this roster. And even a scuffed iteration of T1 is still going to be able to punish you know, your carries if you miss position. And so that's what happened. And after I saw that game, I was like, there's no way that Team Liquid maintains this form throughout the entire event. And we saw the the kind of the ugly side of that, which is that when they played against GAM, they decided to, you know, really underperform in many ways. And there was an interview. In the way, here's what's crazy about them coming last, dude. The format gave them the best chance. Look at who, by the way, the difference between BDS last place opponents and then Team Liquid. Okay, Team Liquid played T1. Then they got NRG into GAM. Like, these are, it's like Riot is begging you to win a game. They're saying, like, look, is there any way I could get you to win a game? Well, I mean, give me like an opponent from my region. All right, here's NRG. Nah, I couldn't beat him. Shit. I'll tell you what, what about GAM? They haven't even played at fucking Worlds in about 10 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've lost to them too. Meanwhile, if you're BDS, it's like, unless you beat Mad Lions, like JDG and D. Like, what's the odds so you also that's why no joke money this is one of the worst western performances ever for team liquid it really is yeah in context and you know i saw an interview from pioshik where he implied that like the third game draft went the way it did because of yes. apa's champion pool and like if he can't play nico and and he can't uh he can't play zigs then they are really limited and they couldn't risk like a you know a second round of bands targeting the mid lane yeah. but you know honestly Trying to, I, I think it's a mistake when Pioshik genuinely played very well throughout the course of this tournament. He certainly overperformed. And when you see that game on Kindred where he absolutely dominated, at a certain point, I would rather just take peak carry Pioshik than like kind of shitty floor APA. Yes. 
You know what I mean? I kind of would rather just see APA scrape by on maybe a champion he's not that comfortable with because I don't think APA being mid to bad on a champion he's comfortable on is worth the sacrifice of Pioshik maybe being able to carry the game. So I, I, I think so. The, the main problem I had as well was the only real hope I ever had for winning games here, the only lane you were going to win through was top. And unfortunately, some it just you saw the good and the bad. He had like half of a good game against T1, then it didn't turn into anything because spoiler. He's sort of like the meme of what people tell me how far he is. Like they, he just plays in lane and then there's nothing else, is there? Like, but then after that, what a waste of a tournament. Just playing Cassante all the time, doing nothing. And then you even had the fucking Jacks game. Then that was just shit. That was garbage. Like, so unfortunately, like. This is sad, especially because if people don't know, a couple of years ago, Summit and Kane used to be in that same boat where they were like both on like good teams, but they wouldn't go to Worlds. It was like, oh, they're so good individually. He's just wasted his potential, mate. He is a good player. Like the, He clearly has strong hands, but there's something about his style just hasn't worked, mate, the last couple of years. I mean, he just has no map awareness and he has no macro sense. And he's he's a he's a top laner from a different era, Thorin, is what he is. Yeah, he's the he is. he's the fucking he's ignite. Like flame from back yeah, in the day, he's, yeah, he's the ignite motherfucker up in that top line before teams realize how to use teleport. Um yes. and he, you know, in a different era, I think Summit would be amazing. But in this era, yeah. you have to have some level of macro sense. And apparently even, you know, maybe on cloud nine, there was some sort of language issue or there wasn't good shot calling, but historically, sure. but historically, like, are you going to tell me that the combo of core JJ and Pioshik to literal world champions who good, I right? mean, core JJ has macro team liquid successfully in, over the course of yes. his career. That is something that has happened. So are you going to tell me that they can't tell summit when to TP like, Oh, at, in what team, like at this point in time, in what team would team? summit be good? The whole, the whole meme context was that they're all Korean. They yeah, can't exactly. even play that one team. At least <laughs> if it was all American, like Cloud9 or whatever, there's only Berserker. Yeah, that's cool. But like, oh, you made the whole main team that they're all speaking Korean, except APA. And so, yeah, we know that he understands Core JJ. The problem is he isn't Looper. And he doesn't obey Matt's <laughs> command and just summon him out of the fucking nowhere with the teleporters, you know? <laughs> so you know I'm... what? They play to Looper nowadays. After As the years go on, the more I sort of appreciate his moxie, you know? He actually understood how top lanes played, mate. Fair play. Fair play to you. He also got the bag, you know. He did, yeah. <laughs> he, he was China, a successful exactly. bag thief uh, in the yeah. end. And also, what, on, was he on Echo Fox for a little bit? Oh, yeah, he was. I forgot, but with, with like, Frog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, a quick aside, because I'm just going to say this now. Next year, if people don't know, I think sometime in, like, February will be the 10th anniversary of Summoning Insight, right? So I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to do a special episode. And because this is so perfect, bro, it's probably going to be the case that TSM will have officially sold by then, and TSM won't be in the LCS. We'll definitely start it like an RIP Bozo Pack Watch with cigars <laughs> celebrating <laughs> we outlasted TSM. And by the way, as Dom said, it is amazing now that they didn't get the FTX money, which everyone bragged about, and they had to sell, they give like six million to Sorda, and then now they sell for 10. It's like that's so <laughs> fucking insanely perfect. So we'll come back to that. But yeah, don't worry, we're going to get that in the future. We're going to get that. Don't worry, but it's all good. That's funny. By the way, that's already gangsters. If no one else knows, there's no other podcast even close to that. Ten years. Not, there's no one else even close to that, mate. Even the all-time grits, you know, live on three. I would guess that's like, what, five years or something, you know? No Max. one's on ten years. We've easily, we've, we've beaten everyone. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, this is easily the most watched podcast in the history of esports, and it's not by a close margin either. It's not by a close margin. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Um, and you know what? In the end, if you average it out now, Monty, it's it was look. The average was bad in the first year, but like anything, you know, like I've got my scoring average up, and so the career average is fine. So like the actual average amount of times potentially getting cancelled each year because of the show now is pretty reasonable for the ten years. It was looking really bad those first couple of years. Now it's sort of evened out. It's not that bad. It's not three or four. Not bad. Yeah. Not I bad. mean. Some might say we were canceled by Riot in the end. Some might say. True. <laughs> I True. think I think the existence of this show probably led to very bad feelings at Riot. I think maybe if this show didn't exist with all our criticism of Riot, perhaps we would be in better grace, graces in the end. But I, would I trade this for anything? I would not. I would not. Whoa. And by the way, guys, if you would like to support Last Free Nation as independent talent owned where we can actually say whatever the hell we want and we don't have to tow the developer line on anything that we ever do. You should support our sponsors and coming back this week, Liquid IV. That's right. Liquid IV. I bought brought a whole bag full of this to Korea with me. I've been loving it for for my workouts. But as I said earlier, guys, you May have you may have been loving this Swiss system. You may have gotten the the biggest dose of dopamine ever when NRG somehow makes it into the quarterfinals. Well, as I said, sometimes the next day after you go hard can be a little bit difficult. But if you take a liquid IV before you go to bed, rehydrate yourself, you know, uh, or the next morning when you wake up, it can be a lot easier. Um, and if you're up late at night, you know, uh, just getting those electrolytes and vitamins back in your system can really, really help. If you're on an airplane for a long amount of time, those things are very dry. If you live in an arid climate, like uh, I'm going to go back to Colorado eventually, there's like 0% humidity there. So you lose water a lot faster out of your system. If you work out, obvious yep. one. Yeah, if you work out, if and you remember, have, if, you have, if you get hungover, if you have a cold, all the yep. that means for you. <laughs> yep, exactly. And there's now sugar-free versions as well. Um, so yep. they have the caffeinated versions. They have the sugar-free versions. They have the sugar and versions. It's not all just great. electrolytes. They have an energy one as well. There's yep. one that actually gives the electrolytes and in it, it's like a yep. half energy drink sort of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I take the caffeine one right before I work out uh, to give me a little bit. It's like a pre-workout, basically. Like you yeah. get the sugar in there, which you're going to burn immediately if you're, if you're doing a lot of movement. Yes. Um, helps power you through alongside the caffeine. So if you take a pre-workout, this is a good one. Um, yeah, they've got new flavors like white peach, green grape, lemon lime. So... It does help us if you support us with through our sponsors. You can get your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code LFN at checkout. It's 20% off your entire order. Uh, I know a lot of you guys have been trying this. I think it's great. Uh, it really is a, an awesome product, and I continue to use it very frequently myself. So endorsed. By the way. You're not just supporting me and Monty. Every single person who is a regular creator on LFN Network is has equity in our company. So actually, yep. you're also supporting Dagon and Dom and people Bowery. from CSGO, loads of people, Kassad, all of these people. They all That's the whole point of this company is we all have equity. Yep. We're, we're pulling together, guys. And so your support really actually does make a difference. You know, unlike, you know, you, you know, get maybe skip a skin from Riot Games or Counter-Strike and uh, give our sponsors a try and hopefully you'll like Remember, some of these Monty, products. Remember, Monty, when we launched this company, the dumbest people on the internet 
decided like this was one of the worst angles I've ever heard because we called it last free nation. They went, hmm, sounds a bit like sort of an, a right wing sort of like militia or something like I don't know why in any context. By the way, the idea that your nation would be free is like an evil right wing idea now. That, that's sort of a bit telling it's already where the world authoritarian nation, guys. <laughs> but here's the thing I can't handle, Monty. Those people were people from League of Legends. The name of the company that made the game is Riot Games. Riot Games. Yeah. What is there? Tell, sit, provide, put your fucking withering gaze onto that name and tell me what that sounds like. <laughs> Does that sound sus? Riot Games? That sounds like they come in with truncheons and beat the fuck. Oh, wait a second. Actually, metaphorically, they uh, do. My I mean, bad. Entirely all I'm going to say, all I'm going to say is when I tried to riot against Riot, they came in with the metaphorical, uh, you know, tear gas on me. <laughs> they, they give you the big red fist on you, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Like the joke is you couldn't have any more symbology and stuff in theirs to sound like you are an autocratic totalitarian regime from the East. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's a red fist. It's even red. It's even the color scheme, bro. Like, but it, as usual, they're like, doesn't look like anything to me. Last Free Nation, is this the alt-right? And also, spoiler, me and Monty aren't politically active. We're fucking nerds who spent 10 plus years watching shit of video games. Yeah. Going, hmm, I think we're getting mad. It's not about politics. We're getting mad about Lulu. It shouldn't be fucking, you know, like that should be the Jada pick there. Like. Also, also, tell tell me uh, tell me uh, who loves free speech more than Thorin and Richard Lewis, by the way. <laughs> you know, actual award winning awesome. journalists. <laughs> so funny. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Anyway, it's <laughs> the the irony is not lost on us. Then, some teams. Yeah, I I mean, do do you want to talk about the implications of yeah. Team Liquid's loss? Because I also yeah, get sure. Schadenfreude from watching Travis Gafford's YouTube channel, and immediately after Team Liquid lost, he posted this very sad video about Team Liquid and the embarrassment of losing to VCS. But here's okay. the thing, guys. I'm going to tell you this right now, NA fans. I don't have good news for you. This shit is only going to get worse for you. And here's why. Yes. Right now, the LCS teams are all, all of them, going to the players and saying, here's a choice. Accept a new contract at a lower rate or we're cutting your contract and you're a free agent. So this offseason, if players do not accept new contracts that are significantly lower as more teams try to basically pay league minimum or maybe slightly above that, you know, probably in the 70 to 100,000 range to a player as opposed to the fucking $2 million Bjergsen contracts that were giving out that were given out previously. You know, many players were at six, seven hundred K, just ridiculous sums, right? So what you're going to see, remember Team Liquid. Let's think about them. Who was the best performing player at Worlds? Oh, that's right. Pioshik. Do you think Pioshik's going to come back for a cut contract? He's going to be an LCK, definitely. <laughs> even, in a, in, like, no joke, I think after this Worlds, by the way, Monty, he'll take like a lower LCK team even maybe. Like, he might go to like the eighth. But, yeah, he might be on like fucking, like, for, what do you think at like, this point in time? Hanwa's a real choice. You know what? There's some real teams that they might join, yeah. Yeah, so so here here's I'm gonna yeah. spell it out for you guys. Team Liquid without Pioshik would have been a much worse team at Worlds, and they were already spoiler the worst team, and they were the they weren't even the fourth seed from NA. They were the third seed. The fourth seed of NA got bodied by wait for it 
The other worst team, BDS. Holy shit. They got bodied by the other worst team. How bad exactly. was Golden yep. Guardians? <laughs> like, yep. Just two zeroed, you know, three, you know, BDS was three zeroed, and the BDS themselves, now they did have a tough draw versus D plus, it must be said. But you know, I don't think they would have won against many of the other teams that were in there. Um seemed like it. So what I'm saying, guys, is like this is the end of like the high paid import era. We might see one or two teams, you know, Ooh. splash out a little bit. But these contracts that were luring players to NA and like it or not, guys, these were the players that, you know, were propping up this region. I just like, said it. Cordage, they had, they had a reigning world champion. LCK, by the way. Yeah, OJJ, they have, they, these are players you can't make up for with the NA player. You know what's sad about this? I'll tell you the team that's making everyone not realise it, Monty. It's NRG. Because what they're doing is, this is where fans never know how to characterise a team. NRG doesn't win off player strength. They win off being actually like a team that works together. And actually, I'll give them props. It's very rare NA teams have half-decent late-game macro and know what to do and catch a throw. Mad props to them for that. I actually, by the way, the reason I don't cheer for them is because I know they can't win a BO5 against anyone. I actually do like the fact that they're sort of, they are the ultimate plucky underdogs. They are a bunch of like castaway NA players minus FBI. And then basically, they manage to somehow play proper League of Legends and win and be more than the sum of their parts. Since most Western teams are scuffed, you need those killer Korean mechanics. You need like a really sick European import because I saw people who tried to take the logic that TL's performance means they never the NA was wrong to ever do the import route. Right, go back in time, guys, and take all the Jensen lineups and put Golden Glue in instead. Does he? Do they go as far? Do they get the upsets? They don't. You know what I mean? There's no Embassy final. There's no top four at Worlds. There's no like beat a big team. Oh my God, they beat. There's no like CLG beating up. Give me a break. It doesn't happen. These results don't happen. So like you're saying, basically, look at the lineups of teams like TSM and Evil Geniuses. That's going to be your Worlds teams next. Those lineups are what's going to go to Worlds next time, boss. So and add in this money. We'll t I'll tie it into the. Conversation. Imagine you ever get a draw, even if it's random, where it goes like I want it, like almost perfect seeding. Now you never had a chance to get out. Now the actual 0 2 game is the one that you're trying to hopefully watch as an NA fan because it's the only game they can win. It's the only time they can win is maybe like, you know, fourth seed Europe plays fourth, third seed NA in the last place game, and maybe that one they can win. That's it. So I agree. When you know how bad it's going to get for LCS, it's why, again, I'll loop it back in again to the other bigger topic of this year. It's why the pro players and fans could not have picked a worse time to try and destroy the LCS from inside the house. Like, <laughs> it was the dumbest time ever because you're going to love next year whenever, you know that money you wanted for their teams in the low league? That's not even in the fucking top leagues now. I can't wait, by the way. They don't get this. You know when they used to do the average salary? And yeah, it got obviously it was dragged up by the millions of Bjergsen and stuff, but the average salary was like what it's like 400k or 300k wasn't it right monty i bet the average salary for real bear in mind the minimum is what 100k i bet the average salary will be like 150k the, the minimum is like 60 the, the minimum is like 60 65 i think somewhere well, maybe there. 100k is the new average salary which by the way it, it was less be, than yeah. academy players used to make so this is going to get what like the joke is sven in academy would will be like the equivalent of like third seed from na yeah. like mid laner or something yeah. now it, next it, year yeah 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 so there's there's going to be a bunch of players at like league minimum at 75 there's going to be a bunch and of players. Gonna leave. Yeah, there, there's going to be, and people are going to leave or retire. Like, you think Doublelift is going to come back when he could co-stream to play for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars? No, there's only one factor there. To be fair, I'll I'll give I'll give credit. He'll do whatever Lady Macbeth tells him to do. So it depends what she's feeling like on that day. You know, I'm just saying. Um, so, that's you know, real, I, Monty. In, in some ways, she's the chief revenue officer of Sentinels and Doublelift Inc. <laughs>
You know? <laughs> double of Things has been doing pretty well, though. Double Double of Things has been printing money has, for a it, long time. He has been he has been making money. It's true. He's <laughs> killing it. Yeah. So what I'm saying, guys, is like you're going to see a wave of retirements. You're going to see probably only like up and coming international talent. Maybe there's a few people that want to like chill and stick around. Perhaps Core JJ just like yes. wants to live this life. Maybe he likes to live in America and have the green yeah. card and all that. Yeah, true. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because he might want to. I don't know. Not go to the military. That's a popular option yeah. for people. <laughs> so you might see some of this. I would love to see Core JJ go back to the LCK, but somehow I yep. don't think that's going to happen. Um, so uh, the point is, there's it's going to get even worse, guys. And so, but here's the thing. It's going to be immediately worse. But honestly, I'm not sure in the end that this is actually a bad thing because look at what happened with VCS. They were forced to kind of have scrappy homegrown talent and over a long enough timeline, they were actually through sheer force of will, even though they had tons of roadblocks thrown in their way. The whole COVID shit that lockdowns that happened in Vietnam, the fact that they couldn't play on the Korean server to practice anymore, and they were relegated to their own server. And yet they were still better than team liquid at the end of the day. And I am hoping that on a long enough timeline that if you ignore the all the players who basically came to NA to, as you Zoomers call it, quiet quit in North America, where they just got the bag and sat there, put their feet up on, on the sofa and just chilled in Los Angeles. If we have lower salaries, because we've seen this in other esports, you do not need high salaries to have great competition because real competitors are just so psychotic that they're going to get dedicate themselves to it. You mean so, the joke is, Monty, you're going to love this because I've just realized this. And when you realize this, you're going to love it. You remember the famous study we have cited one million times about motivation related to income. The magic number was $60,000 in the study. That above 60000 it doesn't motivate you more to compete and play and do your job better. And so the same thing, I agree. Essentially, if you are like pick an all-time great player, you'd have killed yourself for the 60K like you would for 2.5 million. Now a fan's going to go, no, that's because you, you aren't him. You ain't, as you Zoomers say, you ain't him. You aren't, you aren't the man. You don't know what you're talking about. So no. And by the way, I'll make it specific because we're talking about him right now. Team Liquid, you know everyone's memed on them these last two years? They were your best hope for imports. I've always given Steve Arnsett crazy mad respect for every year, whether he did the right construction. He does get big names every year. He goes and gets you a world champion. He goes and gets you a massive Korean player. He goes and gets you the best European who could stay and qualify for worlds from Europe. No, that's going away. And now he is going to have to choose, right, Can I? do I want revenge and um, speaker or do I, you know, these are the choices that we're now making. Like that's, that's the best case scenario. So yeah, I think it's going to get really dark, mate. It's going to be dark for any. It, well, it's going to be dark in the next year or two, but my hope is that on a long enough timeline, we actually do see some really, you know, good dedication to scouting and coaching that will raise. Yeah, I'll tell you the number one thing they should do. The number one thing they should do is obvious Monty still import, but now you have to get the RL player. You have to scout the ERLs and you have to find the El Yoya before he joins the Mad Lions when he's still an ERL player. If you can do that, you have a chance. It won't be the same as having the elite Korean, but it may be closer. And the point here is money-wise, you might make it work. Maybe maybe there is an ERL player like Takui who'll play for 100K in the LCS, you know. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, guys. Money never changed North America's competitiveness. It never did. Like, North America is just the same amount of competitive it was 10 years ago, effectively as it is today.
So was a great let's point go back love. to no money. The, leg- the legendary Dutch player and manager, Johan Cruyff in soccer, European football, famously, because he was like a genius setting up teams and tactics and stuff, he had a saying, which is, I've never seen a bag of money score a goal. NA proved that in League of Legends. Like, because at the end of the day, the biggest joke of all is some of the wet, some of the imports that ended up being mega weren't even the ones that were good in Korea. They were actually like the guys where it was like a failure or like a or like a weird European pickup no one thought was good. Like it, it, it's not like certain other sports where, like in the NBA, for example, the payroll almost you almost can't finish below a certain amount if you have the highest payroll. League of Legends isn't that game, mate. It ain't that game. Yeah. And and we know that because we saw teams that didn't have big salaries win the world championship back in the day or do very well, um, you know, be competitive at the top level of competition, even though teams in China, you know, in 2015, were getting the absolute fucking bag, like rocks, tigers, coup tigers still were better than them. And they were fucking broke, like actually yes. broke. <laughs> like they could, it, could have they, been like two time world champions. That, they, that yeah. was on the table. Yeah. There for, in 2015, the Tigers were so broke, they couldn't afford electricity for air conditioning for their apartment. And so they just had to be hot. <laughs> and they were in first Feeling place. Hot, 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 okay. <laughs> no, they were in first place in the LCK. Okay. So there's always going to be some mega grinders, right? And a lot of European players who have been at their peak have turned down the bag. Fakers turned down the fakers bag. Meanwhile, like, <laughs> fakers in like that T1 building where he's on like the complex at like the penthouse level. And he's like, uh, adjust the temperature 0.1%. I think I entered that scrim because the uh, air conditioning was like, yeah, I don't want to talk. That's who they were competing against, Monty. It was like, a, it was literally, if you made the Rocks Tigers into a movie, they're like the plucky underdogs. And T1's like that rich kid where the dad buys everyone pizza, but then fucks everyone's mom on the side and a total prick to you all. Like, that's like the fucking 80s movie that we were in when it was going on. And the bad guy won every time. <laughs> yeah, but uh, if Faker could be even richer, man, like that's the thing. He could have taken the China money at his peak. Oh, mate, there's one. Let's just do it. Let's just do it right now. One, I'm going to slightly call out everyone in the West on this one, and I'm going to do it on two <laughs> levels. So, one, people did take the whole JDG's the best, but because it was an ADC meta, Ruler carries the fights. They've given, because they've given all the praise to Ruler. Dude, this broadcast might be one of the worst I've ever seen. Right now, Knight is really not only potentially the best mid laner in the world, he might be like, he's 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 going to be a contender for best of all time when he retires, quite frankly. I think if you look at the body of work, he might win Worlds now. He might win it at the Grand Slam. Bro, you wouldn't know Knight exists if you listen to the Western broadcast. When they talk, you listen to them talk about Faker on T1, you would think he is Knight, mate. You would think he's the one going for the Grand Slam. When they talk about Knight, it's almost like he's just a whatever, and then it's just like, you know, fucking Ruler does everything on that team, or 369 does everything. Like, bro, has anybody been watching these games? Knight is a fucking monster, mate. He's unbelievable. Like, even on those shit, like we said, even when it's a, cha- a meta where you don't even play the mechanical champions, his, his champion looks better than anyone else's without hands. It's nuts. Yeah. I mean, I think I think three six nine has probably had the best overall performance thus far at Worlds, but sure. uh, you know, Ruler Ruler was kind of not even there in the he game against LNG. Yeah. yeah, they didn't need him. Yeah, they didn't need him, but he also just you know, it's not that he did anything particularly bad. I think, but he just wasn't like, the star of the show in the LNG matchup. He sometimes greed, Smith. He does yeah. sometimes greed in lane. We have to be honest; he's not perfect in Team White. He's a god. He sometimes greeds in lane early, though. Yeah, and that's a gag happen, you know, when you don't need to. And and the other thing is, uh, to your point, I think three six nine and and Knight have been really standout. We also got to see a pretty uh, banging like Vex game from from Knight. He's pulling out some unique champions as well. Oh, think about that for a second. This is a guy. By the way, he's infamous for his champion pool. 
I don't know why it's a fucking Chinese team doing this, but the idea you ban out all of mid lane. When you ban out mid lane against Knight, all you do is ban your mid laner out. He is known for having one of the deepest champion pools ever, year on year on year. And as you saw there, bro, you're not going to see another mid-vex in this tournament. But I'll tell you what, the fucking joke is, he really did leave the other team vexed, didn't he? he fucking wrecked him. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, so I, I think he's doing great. Knight is obviously, I mean, that's the, that's the scary thing about JDG, is that there's just so many weapons on this roster. And it, it just feels like they are almost fated to win. I, I, they go to the brink so many times, three times in a row, they went to the deciding game against uh, LNG and they win yep. every single time. Like LNG runs out of gas. You can tell. And I think what's fun about seeing this matchup so much is that you see LNG try different things every single time. It's like, is this the combination that opens the lock? Is this the final piece of the puzzle in our draft that is going to actually result in a victory? I mean, they tried in this best of three, what they tried in the first best of five, an LPL playoffs, which is can yes. we hard carry through top lane? Can we pick a split yep. pusher and try and win the game? Because you know what? LNG has lost complete faith in themselves that they are able to win a 5v5 team fight versus versus JDG. They have given up on front to back team fighting. They have decided it is impossible to beat JDG in this fashion. And that the only well, way reason why they've probably played a million scrims and lost oh, them all in the team fights, I imagine, you know. <laughs> so fights are yes. It's obvious, isn't it? You have to be proactive early. You have to rack up a couple of kills, and then you have to provide cross-map pressure. The thing is, is that JDG, they're, they're the honeypot, man. Like, they're the they're the flame bringing in the moth. You always have to team fight them. You get mind gamed into team fighting them at some point in time. And unless you have a massive lead, I mean, they can play from huge deficits. It's it's really fun to watch, but they are terrifying. And I think you need a very strong like pick composition in order to defeat them. And the other thing is they're absorbing bands that are ridiculous. Like LNG has oh, now decided that Orn is the biggest threat. Right, three six. Which look. 369 is probably the best Orn player in the world. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But you're going to, you're so afraid. You're so afraid of the 5v5. And the thing, and here's the reason why you're afraid because you can't put his fucking Orn behind. And the yes. craziest thing about 369, if you watched LPL this year, how many times did we see him on Orn just get solo kills? And then it's like, great, now Orn's not even behind. He's fucking ahead. Now Ruler has upgraded fucking ornaments. Yes, and exactly. it's so annoying because he wins the matchups he should lose and he just scales faster into like God Orn in the late game. And then he just Remember that perfectly. stupid meme where the whole reason his name's Baller, the 369 meme. People haven't completed it because you have to know how to tag. In a joke, you have a joke and then you think of one that comes along after it. So you know everyone's doing the joke now, Monty. The point is 369, you can beat him. 999, you can't beat. Well, if you don't know, in England, that's the the number for the emergency services. So when 999 appears, it's like call an ambulance for you. That's the joke, <laughs> isn't it? Like, when 999 appears, you can't beat that guy, by the way. That's all, like you say, he can play a champion that isn't supposed to win lane, not go behind, then go to the team fight and he's the best. How do you beat that? How do you beat that? You so, can't. So here's the thing. Like, I kind of agree with the orange strategy because we shadow box. How do you beat JDG if you, you know, like, I don't know, a couple months ago, a month and a half ago, maybe you guys can go back and watch that episode. But yep. I, I said one of the things might be is if we get in a top carry meta at Worlds, it's not that 369 can't play top carries. It's the problem is, does it affect JDG's ability to win a game because they can't play necessarily the same kind of front-to-back team fighting, right? Well, guess what, guys? It turns out that he can play Aatrox 
TP into the middle of a pick composition, and because he has the perfect timing to buy Steric's Gage and Gore Drinker, he will just live through every single targeted CC ability, and his team follows up, and that's it. You know, I was watching that game. I saw him TPing in. And the two best like, team fight carries in the world just kill everyone. Yeah. I, I, I looked at that, and I said, this is... He's playing into LNG's win, win condition. LNG's playing a pick comp. Yes. This is exactly what they want. He just knew he was going to fucking live. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, and the confidence uh, from missing to go ahead and follow up on that with the Recon Ultimate, it bought so much time for him to like proc the Gore Drinker. It was a beautiful team fight. But when it, and, and at that point in time, it was just doomed. Because if you can't make that pick that your team composition is supposed to do and you dump every single CC ultimate into that Aatrox, the game's over. Like, you you literally don't have a win condition anymore. So it's crazy the knowledge that they have. I, I'm going to chalk it up to 369 being good as opposed to him just being lucky in this case that he managed to live through that because he was never really close to dying either. Um, but it was amazing. And, you know, once you don't kill the Aatrox and he flashes out, you, you got nothing left. You, you don't have a vial, you know what I mean? And they're just going to run you down. Um, it's very impressive. It's very impressive. And I also feel like there's a weird angle that's counterintuitive about JDG, Monty, which is they do remind me in this sense of the old SKT of 2015. It's the fact that they can get, get, get behind and they'll still win. That just feels more depressing than getting stomped. If you get stomped, you go, whatever, you know, a few early mistakes. It's worse when you know you can, you're like, uh, okay, essentially, I'm, it's like being in one of those dreams, Monty, where you're running from someone, but you can never quite outrun them. And it's like in a cartoon, you know, like where the guy runs, he goes, oh, I can't outrun this guy. He goes to the airport, he takes a plane to Venezuela. He gets off the plane. He's there already. Oh, fuck. He gets in a teleporter. He goes to Mars. The guy's waiting from outside. Like that. And then also, in each series, they also give you the one game where you, they let you stomp them to give you the false hope. Like, maybe it's possible. Oh, no. No, definitely not possible. <laughs> definitely not at all possible. Like, that's it. This team, for real, like, they just feel... I, I guarantee they just feel suffocating. Like, because I, I, I agree with what you're saying. This just looks to me like a mixture of all the officials we've seen and then uh, the amount of scrims people have played at Worlds in, in China means people don't even believe it's possible to win except via like the most extreme crazy draft or like target one lane perma early like this is like some it's like we've, we're getting now monty this is the context we're in they're now making top five teams in the world play like crazy cheese to try and win single games like in real league against them this is crazy what are we doing um I, it, it reminds me of Terminator 2 with the T-1000 yes. where it just you could try and blow it up your win might be temporary but it is going to liquid all the liquid parts are just going to come back together and it's going to keep coming at you no matter what how the hell do you stop this thing <laughs> except there is no Arnold Schwarzenegger to help you in this case you just die you're just Sarah Connor alone dying <laughs> um, Skynet wins in the end as is the inevitable fate of humanity in general as we get closer to AI. So we can all look forward to that. Hopefully not in our lifetimes. I would not like to be alive for that. The only thing is, though, here's the question I have for you, Monty, which is being in the end, Genji already played Gam, T1, who they've beaten up on a whole bunch of times this year, and then they played the G2, which for them is one of the better draws for the 3-0 game. Sure. The problem is, I just haven't seen enough of Genji to actually... Remember, the whole problem with Genji we all know is... How will Chovy and Peanut hold up in the play? Well, I'm not to see them tested. So, like, I want to believe, by the way, because here's the here's what I'm going to tie it in. It was a bigger topic. The reason I need to sort of believe Genji will be awesome is because my other fear is not only did JDG look incredible still and just never seem to let up, but you have a hard time seeing who the second best team in the tournament is, mate. 
If it's not Gen G, which I have to hope when they play the real matches, it is. Who is the second best team? You know what I mean? Because everyone else LNG, is being, probably, right. like, this game was sauce and then this game was a win. But you know what I mean? BL, you can pick any of the other Korean teams. BLG, LNG, they just take turns and they're all over the place. It's hard to know who else is really strong for me. I mean, LNG also hasn't been tested, right? They played Fnatic and then Cloud9 and then played a nice a, times, another yeah. close series against JDG. So it's it's hard to get a read, I think, on either of those teams right now. I, what we can say is that Gen G's wins have been really clean. And outside of the start of the GAM game, which also ended in like 20 minutes, we haven't seen a lot of like happy gaming from Peanut where he just randomly is. He did int in the river in the GAM game, but they were so much better. It didn't really matter. Um, and, you know, you kind of... If you know Genji, you, you do expect a, a, a wee bit of trolling in that particular matchup. Uh, Doran's been very good, though. I, I think we can say that so far. Doran's been really good. Uh, I think what's encouraging is that we've seen Genji playing a Genji style, which is refreshing, right? They haven't... They haven't this is getting, a, getting all his fucking kills off. Yeah, everything. Yeah, they look really poised when it comes to objective control. Chovy has looked phenomenal so far. Uh, so I think if you're a Gen G fan, you may be lulled into a false sense of comfort, but it feels, it feels pretty good right now. Like, I think it feels pretty also, good. Also, I'll just throw this out there because this is like a, a, not a big topic, but if you go and look, bearing in mind, Gam drew D plus, right? D plus is going to win this game, right? Then there's a world where it could be like, um... Who could actually play? It could be like NRG versus D plus for the two two game. So there's a world where Deft and Company are going to the playoffs as like the ultimate dark horse. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, I, I think D plus is bad. So <laughs> I'm not. Want? I'm not. I'm not on that train. Um, I, I don't take format, mate. <laughs> I I don't take I don't take the win over BDS. And here's why. You know when Kana is carrying games you know that team's bad because he can never do it against a good team he every advantage that he gets oh right, let's do it then are you ready for a rant yeah you ready for a rant, Monty? classic somebody in sight right i'm so sick and tired of western fans deciding they want things that are mutually exclusive right do you want entertainment wrestling style where you lose but it's fun or do you want people trying to play League of Legends and win at the highest level? Because I'll tell you right now, Monty, if Upset, my mate, came to this tournament in great form and played all the meta champions and played a really good game but lost two, Deft, D D Ruler, people would mock him and say, who cares, you lost, you fucking loser. But when Adam plays meme champions, loses and can't win the game, they go, it was a lot of fun to see Garen. <laughs> <laughs> what are you asking for in this game? If you're a player, that would drive you crazy. The idea that those are like simultaneously the same person has those opinions. That's actually it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> like, dude, the joke is because they even know it's a meme champion. They're like, oh, I never expected to win the game. Then why are we not criticizing him for playing Garen? What are we doing right now? What is this? Basically, the joke is, right, I'm going to call upset. Yeah, upset. Your problem is, mate, you're trying to play like uh, Felios, play Timo. Give me a break. That's because... Is that what you want? That's that because what you want? I'll tell you the reason why. It's because this is, this, is the, this is the Zoomers, man. And here's what they think. Here's what they think. They, they're in silver, and they're, they think, Adam, he's just like me for real, for real, when he plays Karen. <laughs> And that's what they enjoy because it's what they're it's what they're playing and it's what they're seeing in their own games. 
You know, the other problem as well is, let's be real, whenever you get a weird champion, there's always going to be my boy, Nick De Cesar, is going to come up with some angle, right, as to how it could work in a comp. And then, as usual, all of his fans don't even listen. They play League of Legends, and instead of watching Hunter x Hunter, they listen to LX, right? LS, right? And so they don't hear why he says, you know, Garen, or why you would pick Ivan. They just hear... Ivan's good. And so then they go into all the threat match threads and they're like, should have picked this is an Ivan angle, even though they don't even know the match. And they always have an angle for every shit champ. Spoiler, if Garen's awesome, when am I when should I expect to see the 369 Garen game? What do you think I'll actually see Doran pull out his Garen and pull what do you think? Um, do you think Zika will do a <laughs> you know, do a, you know who, Zika do a Garen angle? Give me a break. You know what I'm mean? give me a break. I, the joke is, is Keen might actually do it. Keen's actually that guy. <laughs> oh, maybe, Mike. Yeah, true. True. Keen might be that guy. It's the eagle to do it, true. He has the eagle. <laughs> oh, too funny. But yeah, I, I think that is... I think that is a, a valid I'll, I'll also point do this. about some of the I'll address Western a petty fans. grievance, which is when I flamed Nook, which, are you ready, Monty? I actually gave the Zoomers a break there. I flamed Nook by not tagging him on Twitter or replying to him. I made a tweet on my Twitter account, literally a war crime against humanity. I made a tweet where I said earlier in the year, after that, like, BDS run, basically, like, Nook should sort of, like, be uh, grateful, like, essentially. Like, you better, like, sort of understand this is his window to be on a really good team because I think he's kind of a mid mid laner in LEC. And this is, you know, it won't last forever, basically. He then replied and was like, well, took my dick. Right. But then Adam, because he's so salty still that I put him in the fucking dumpster over that outrageous upset story from years ago, where he basically like caused someone actual emotional torment over their wife having a very serious real life situation. But he's a young dickhead who didn't know. Then Adam had to pop in and comment, right? And because of what an outrageous thing I said, he, he said, you are a disgrace to the ecosystem. Well, you know what, Adam? Europe has a mid laners, uh, top laners like Odoamne, by the way, multiple times playoffs of worlds, being against some of the, even people like fucking Smeb were telling him he was the shit right there. You have people like him, you have um, go back through the years, Wonder, one of the best top laners of all time, so probably as. from any region if you go in top 50, Soaz, you go down the fucking list, even the other ones, the Alfaris of the world are pretty good. We're sending Adam, and the joke is he's, which meme champion will he pick? He's like got a flywheel, and he's doing... <laughs> And then we're supposed, you're a disgrace to the ecosystem, you fucking joke. So tell well, you what, it's, fuck off. It's it's not even it's not even just that, Thorin. It's the meme wheel, but the me it's the price of the meme wheel. The price of the meme wheel right. is you have to okay. ban Kenan and Rumble. And guys, did 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 you see what happens when you don't ban Rumble? Did you see that? It's not like Kana's the best top laner here. His his best champion this year was Renekton. He was undefeated in spring on Renekton, the spring split. And teams just realized they couldn't give it to him anymore. And here he is on Rumble, completely styling on you because you didn't ban it out. And the reason you didn't ban it out was because you finally hit a team where Deft is so terrifying that you have to ban Callista and Zaya because you know you lose because your bot lane has been dying in lane this entire fucking tournament. Oh, mate. So we address that. Here's why BDS was never legit. Because in Europe, Crowney had to be like the best player in the league to make them good. Mate, when he has a screamer like this, they're nothing. They have nothing in this game. They have no drafts. They have no fucking team fight. They, if Crowley doesn't play really well, 
the team is nothing. Like this is why yeah. I made that Nook comment because it's not, it was never Nook and Adam guys. In fact, the joke is the two players that I, in my opinion, made that team were Shio and Crowney. And you've seen what happens when each of them drops off their game a bit. The team just disappears. That's why I give mad props to their coaching staff, by the way. I think their coaching staff crafted them so they looked like they didn't have weaknesses when they were yeah. at their best. But yeah. as soon as some of the flaws appeared, it just unraveled, didn't it? Look, I don't think I don't think Crowney had a good tournament. I I, I think that's straight up it was true. Terrible, but he wasn't I, even that good in the fucking playing shit, man. No, so but I do think also simultaneously that the rewriting of history, as if Crown if Crowney wasn't good guys, they would not have made the finals and nearly won LEC. He yep. he did have a very good split, and that they rode his carry performances. So it's yes. it's disingenuous to say that he's always bad or he's a shitter because we've seen he has a high high ceiling as well, and yes. he has been good in the past. Absolutely, yeah. So whatever. Here's the thing. In the end, BDS did just revert back to being a meme. So whatever on that one. It's just a whatever, isn't it? <laughs> just I, another yeah. win. Here's the I, thing. You know what? I'll give. Here's where I'll finally give an olive branch to you morons who are the Adam fans. Don't worry. It's actually not Adam's fault that this happened. It actually, Loki, is the fault of my boys' perks and upset and people like that. And my boy, Odo, I'm the on Excel. You're the ones who were supposed to take the spot from these guys. You were supposed to knock them out and you should be here at this tournament playing real League of Legends. But you aren't. So as a result, I can't blame BDS. They beat who was in front of them. They got here. By the way, they won that fourth place game. Every Here's what I love about that match right now, Monty. Before that match... As the betting showed you, every moron in the world would tell you, Golden Guardian should be there said, but because they played, BDS proved that it should be BDS. BDS got to play. So I can't totally blame BDS. Essentially, it's the fault of Europe. I made this point after the season, mate. This is the worst ever year for Europe, I think, ever in history. Like, after G2, we have nothing. For real, Fnatic is yes. our only other hope. Fnatic. And by the way, here's why it really sucks. Because we had BDS as well, Monty. Mad Lions is a fucking war crime, what they are doing at these international tournaments. But we don't even get to talk about them because BDS is going 0-3. Like, Mad Lions actually is beyond a fucking piss take right now, mate. It's mental, isn't it? Like, <laughs> listen, I'll give them credit. They do have that thing where their coach couldn't go initially and all that shit. Like, true, but holy fuck. This... I think it was, I can't remember if it was Grabs who said this. You look at the roster on paper, it's impossible it can be this bad. You look at the roster, the roster looks fucking sick. Think about these players. By the way, when I just say El Yoya Hillisag, or dude, isn't that like a fucking playoff team already in the Worlds? Then let's throw in some other players. Like, Chasey looked all right. I'm not a big fan of him. Miski's usually a mega team player in the team. And then actually, Kazi, unironically, probably a top three LEC player yes. of all roles this year. Yep. Team on paper... That, they should be mixing up. They should be doing, by the way, what NRG is doing, giving like actual upsets and like, getting wins, getting on the board. And instead, they're almost certainly just going to go out like a meme themselves now and just look like a fucking joke. I think I think it's even more embarrassing because NRG did their absolute best to throw the game uh, that yes. they played against Mad Lions. And I, I think, you know, this, this just goes to show that NRG won NA by catching throws. If we're being honest, it wasn't really through proactive yep. macro plays. It was kind of just oh, no. standing around, providing mild pressure and waiting for the enemy team to throw into them. And that's the that's the main issue with having faith in NRG as any kind of contender in this event is that when they try and do things proactively, they they sort of just fail. And it was a minor miracle that after we saw Palafox Talia ult into the entirety of Mad Lions, that Mad Lions didn't 
win that game because what was well, that's where I would make the joke like can someone investigate this guy for match fixing what he's doing like <laughs> I, you know what's amazing about that ultimate Thorn, and, and like we can have a chuckle at his like stolen rumble ults as well sure. which were really terrible but he made like there were a lot of decisions you could make in that situation right you, your your mountain soul is spawning in 15 seconds you are in the top lane away from your team you have you have stolen to Lee ult and you have teleport ult up, or you have teleport up. They do not have a tier one turret in the top lane. Uh, the entirety of Mad Lions is chasing you into the top lane. Now, four other members of your team could, I don't know, go to Seoul first off, and they're pinging the jungle. I was watching this on my stream where I was VOD reviewing it. There were pings from, from uh, energy like crazy in the top side jungle. And what you could do, there's many things you could do. You could Talia ult behind the Baron pit and walk around through enemy jungle to rejoin your team. You could try and teleport out of that situation once you get into the alcove in the top lane. You could Talia ult down top lane to provide pressure onto the tier two while your team does dragon. You already won soul for free. If you buy five seconds of time, and Mad Lions just isn't apparently looking at the dragon spawn timer. So it was a free mountain soul. And the hilarious thing is energy won this game anyway, but instead what Palafox does is he just Talia ults directly into all of the members of Mad Lions that his team told him they was there. And the only reason, and this was just like error upon error, the only reason that this game was close is because after he egregiously inted with Talia ult, Mad Lions walks over to Dragon, and apparently in a power play situation with Silas dead, it requires five Mad Lions players to take a Drake, and they have no vision on Baron, and guess what happens? NRG has, you know, they've got Kaisa, they've got a, a Maokai with Demonic Embrace, they have a Jace, and they're able to power down that Baron for free. So it's like, the game was gifted to Mad Lions. So it said nothing good about either NRG or Mad Lions. It was a it was a hilariously bad game of League of Legends. It's like I say, I actually said this coming into Worlds. The problem is, this is where you always have to look at the genesis of how a team got to Worlds, Monty. And actually, it wasn't supposed to be number one seed. Like on paper, they were probably supposed to be fourth seed and just get here and then play like that decider match. Like I'll give them props, like I said. It's not. It's not like you when you have to catch a throw. There are a lot of teams, by the way. There's a lot of NA teams. Team Liquid can't catch a throw. They wouldn't have been able to catch these ones. So it does take a level of talent. It takes a level of understanding, decision making, team play. But the problem is, what else have they got after that? So then you look at the other teams. They can't beat an Asian team in a best of three. Think about it. Like if they play, even like even if you think D plus is a meme, they would fucking murk uh, this. NRG team in the best of three, man. I'm telling you right now, of course, of course they would. Because like you say, not only are you not going to get the same type of throw, like it's only a Mad Lions could give you this. Mad Lions gave you this miracle one. And by the way, on that Mad Lions one, like I say, I, they, look, they've just been a bomber the whole tournament, man. I've never had even a second where I could sort of like get into it. There's, there's been nothing available for me to enjoy about Mad Lions here. It's just been garbage. Yeah. Sad. Because <laughs> they do have the players, like I say. Like I think, yeah. like I'll just say right now because this is worst moment. Right now, I believe when League of Legends is done, El Yoya will be like a top five jungler ever from the West. 
I think people like um, Kazi actually has a chance to become a very good player. He's won a bunch of championships. You think of like Niski. He w- listen. He will be thought of as like the high of fucking Europe. Like that analogy. He's gotten but better he, he's year over year. He's the glue of all these teams. Yeah, exactly. The problem is though. But I'll tell you the one person though who is killing his fucking legacy. Human. Uh, no, Hillasang. Yeah. Hillasang's killing that legacy, mate. This guy, once upon a time, remember that time when him and Mickey X were like one A, one B, mate. Those, that's years ago now. What do we? Th- I mean, it was technically spring last year when he was at MVP. But you know what I mean? Like that. It's it's been a bad few years for Hillasang. Hillasang's just sort of withered on the vine. It's sad because he's remember that was another thing we said at this Worlds. That's supposed to be a win condition, is Hillasang. Like he might come out and have a, a pike pick. He might come out. By the way, Rakan is fucking meta. He might pick a Rakan and bounce all over everyone in a team fight, or even Zonia because he's scared of Hillasang's Rakan. No one's scared of Hillasang right now, mate. Except this his own team. <laughs> yeah, this this team, unfortunately... <laughs> uh, it was uh, coming from inside the house! <laughs> it was Hillasang inside the house! Uh, uh, the same thing could be said uh, about Fnatic. I know Fnatic also... We can talk about Mac not being there at, at Worlds this year, but I, I don't think Mad Lions was particularly inspiring even with Mac towards the end of the LEC playoffs. But, uh, you know, Fnatic's kind of in the same situation where... They didn't have Oscar in. Him. He's still a, a pretty green player. But at least, I will say at least as Fnatic, I have liked parts of their gameplay. The BLG game, they did a lot of good shit, man. And part of that was, I, I saw Shakarez tweeting about this. BLG has literally never, this roster of BLG has never, literally never played against Ivern before. Which makes sense if you watch that game where they're trying to fight at Herald and just in a choke point, getting three men knocked up by Daisy. It was really funny. It was like they didn't know what Daisy did, um, right. which they might not have. <laughs> so, and, you know, they had the the Poppy uh, uh, flex up into the top lane. That is a very good matchup into Jax uh, because he basically can't get in Counter-Strike range with Leap Strike, and it really fucks him up. And you get a lot of free grass procs off of throwing bucklers at his face. Um so I, I think they did some really nice things and they were also doing really good objective setup and really big credit to Oscar in it because he was getting clutch poppy ults. He was like hiding in Maokai brushes or whatever, trying to get the poppy ults off so you could get the man advantage. He was ejecting uh, Jun from some of these fights on the Sejuani so they could secure the dragon. The thing is, is that they tried to opt into the team fights afterwards when they had already gotten what they came for, right? You get rid of the Sejuani, you take the Drake. Just hold the W and walk away. Do not fight BLG. BLG loves to team fight. Amazing team fight team. Of course, do yes. not do you you guys. You literally pick the poppy to have a good matchup into Jax, and obviously J- Bin's Jax is really fucking good. So maybe don't give them the Jax in the first place. But there is a way to win games with Poppy if you are not the better team fighting team, and that is to use it for objective control. They were successfully doing that, and then they were opting into the fights afterwards instead of just walking the fuck away. So this is all to say, Fnatic made some bad decisions. These are correctable decisions in my mind relatively easily, and there are things to like about the early game that we saw against BLG. Yes. And then I'm just going to say it on Fnatic. Look, I have heard that apparently Humanoid is actually legitimately ill at some point in time in this tournament, right? But I will just say, what's that fucking flu that's lasted two years or something, you fucking idiot? He is on an enormous contract if people don't know. It's why Fnatic can't move him, I've heard. No team will touch him. It's just a weird... It's like one of those toxic contracts in sports where you just hang your hero and take him. Like, look, 
This is this guy. I'm just going to say, it, I think he's one of the most overrated European midlaners of all time, Monty. Because think about the European midlaners we produce. If you do a top ten of European midlaners, you are talking about some bangers. Even at his best, this guy used to fall in regular season and then flip the switch in the playoffs. It's at his best. Then he's had these splits that were just whatever. And then now at Worlds, bro, that fucking. EDG and T1 game last year at Worlds saved his whole fucking career. Every moron just tells me about that game. They ignore all of LEC. So now I come to this year, he gets to get fucking praised for beating Gam in a BO1. And then all I'm going to say is this. How was he doing against LG, LNG? Where was the fucking sick middle in there? Oh, but he always does well against Scout. Did fucking nothing in that game, mate. That was a, he was a black hole. Did nothing. He was just fucking garbage. Like... This guy is, if he has a good game, they rave about him. If he has a bad game, the joke is he blamed Razork. That's been the way, the way the last two years was in League of Legends. He had he had a good start in the BLG game with the Akali, with uh, the, you know, the, the kills he, he got with Razork. He career too well. Did that work out? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's hard. Understand, this is what I do, boys. My point is I just react to people on the desk. Basically, I'm like Mad Lions. I just let the NA guy do whatever he wants and I just react to it. <laughs> I think, I think Razork's been good. Yeah. I, I I, I think this box a beast, mate. Fair play to him. He's an, another player that's improved fucking split on split from when he first joined Fnatic. Fair humanoid, play. humanoid's been phoning it in domestically for the last couple of years. I, I, I think that's that's a completely. Says he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, fair you argument. Know? He uh, said he doesn't like League of Legends, Monty. Well, you know what? I sort of understand it because when I watch him watch play League of Legends, I don't like League of Legends. <laughs> I can I can do this all day, boys. I'm here to tip you where. Yeah. It's been rough. But aside from that, by the way, here's this to go back to my comment earlier. Tie the two narratives together, Monty. Outside of JDG and Gen G, who we don't really know yet, everyone else in NA, everyone else who's from the Asian region actually looks potentially beatable in a BO1 until you see the Western teams play. And then you go, all right, even still the gap. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, that, that that is the joke because you, you have some modicum of hope. You're like, wow, D plus looked rough in those late yeah. games. Kellen's kind of running it down. Uh, and then, and then they just, then they just completely the shit stop beating him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and even or, the shit, by the way, where everyone was loving, like, lol, what a fucking meme Weibo are. Weibo's going to take care of these Westerners, boys. NRG, <laughs> then they're going to take Mad Lines. And then who knows, maybe they get, like, fucking Fnatic in the next one and just go to the playoffs anyway, <laughs> after all that shit. By the way, should we do it, Monty? I'm, I'm going to set you up on this one, mate. Are you ready? This is going to be like a fucking Magic Johnson behind the back that you can just lay it up. What do you think about a big figure in League of Legends? Are you ready? I love skits. You know, I love skits and props and, you know, like big moments. <laughs> Tell you what would be really crazy is if someone had, in theory, a traditional, like, sort of allegiance they should have, and then they played that up, but then last second, ooh, they pull a switcheroo, and their obvious actual, like, perceived bias is revealed via a shirt, which is swapped. Now, I know you League of Legends Zoomers think Jat invented that. But all I'm going to say is Monty did that five years ago. And there's no... Here's, and by the way, I don't blame Kit. Kit pulled it off. Oh, he did one, well. Just do this for me, please. One, just say it's an homage to what Monty did. Do that, and it's cool. And then two... Is that the only move? Is the next move? <laughs> hey, Monty, here's the joke. 
If Weibo makes semis, is Kedro going to have a fucking train whistle? What are we doing here? Is there anything else? Is there, any other... is there any... Did you create every possible skate? What's going on? I don't think I don't so, get it. I, I mean, I, here's the thing about the Kedro thing. First off, I think he did... Trump, by the way, so keep going. Yeah. He did a very good job with it. Uh, he did, Especially he did the acting afterwards yes. and the fact yes, that the game was then thrown. He, he sold it super well. So, yes, you know, credit you to him. You do know they believe that. You do know the fans believe he's actually like in depression because Weibo lost a game. They, <laughs> I can't even... Look, bro, this is crazy. Crazy bad Zoomers are like Zoomers. Think- if you introduce W, if you introduce the WWE today, they think it was real. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. <laughs> Think the porn anyway, acting that they're buying is mentally that he, he sold it. Now, I, look, I'm not salty about like the the shirt under the shirt thing. Like that's just classic sports. You know what I mean? What what, what triggered me about Jat was that here's the difference, guys. When I did the shirt under the shirt with the shirt under that, that I have never seen before besides me doing it, and it might be a fine distinction, especially if you hate me. You might, you know, not take my side sure. on that one, but it was, it was what Jack did was like literally beat for beat what I did. What Cajal did was not to be clear. That's, that's just yes. that, you know, that's, that's whatever. Um, but I think well, if you, this it, his was set up well, like you say, I yeah. think he actually did it. Pro- By the way, I will say this though. I want to see your take on this money. There's only me and you would even notice this, but I want to see what you think. Right. I'm not joking, Monty. If I was Cajal, I would be fucking furious at how that broadcast was. Dude, they tried to preempt that he had the shirt underneath and said on the broadcast, what's that shirt you've got underneath there? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing right now? There's a wrestler on the mic. And I'd hate it if my enemy came in with a steel chair when I'm out. It's the kid orbit. Even though that's my boy, Wolf, what are you doing right now? You don't ever, before someone... There's, there's a great line, Monty. It's from the movie Glen Gary, Glen Ross, where the Al Pacino character tells the Kevin Spacey character, you never fucking say anything if you don't know the shot. If you don't know what I'm doing, don't ever fucking jump in because you didn't make the broadcast better. You actually fucked that spot. Now, look, the fans forgot. But when I saw him do that, I remember thinking, that better not be what actually happens. If he actually does take his shirt off now, you fucking, you blown it. Why have you done that? You know, you know, this That's is why. That's crazy to me. This is why when I do things like the shirt rip or the, the train whistle. I don't tell the other people on the desk what yep. I'm doing. In fact, the shirt rib one that I did, I actually bought multiple copies of the American Ooh, flag okay. shirt. I went into okay. the bathroom because I had to test rip them because I had to make a cut in the in the okay. in the seam. So I had to make sure that I made the smallest possible cut where I could easily rip it off. So I was literally standing in a in a bathroom ripping off multiple shirts uh, just so I made sure that that moment was right. And then I told no one what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why. Because <laughs> you want the real reaction, See, too. You have to understand, by it. I understand if you're a fan, you don't care. But as someone who works broadcast, that's the sort of shit that drives people crazy. Is when, like, I'm preparing something that's cool. You actually, you think you're helping. I'm helping, and you fuck it all up for me. You know what I mean? Like, I hate shit like that. You know the other one as well. The other one, like you're saying, is if you ever have, like, an amazing insight, but you make the mistake of commenting on it while watching the game in the green room, and then the other wanker says it before you on the desk, you're like, Really? I was sat right there. You know what? You know what? My point. That's the other one that, like, if you broadcast talent, these are the things that people that is do. Taboo, You'll never man. know on the camera. Oh, Every- by the way, spoiler. I'll, I'll give everyone a little favor here, Monty. I won't say who. We'll play a little guessing game. One of the greatest NA talents of all time in League of Legends routinely did what I just described there. That was his fucking signature move, the old backstab. But I won't say who. Which in some ways is really unfair because now, if you think it's like the ones that it isn't, they're going to get hit on. But spoiler, they're all people who've been wankers to me anyway. So get it. You get them, boys. Go on. Really stands. 
Yeah, that is, by the way, the ultimate scumbag move is to t- like it steal is. other people's green room points and then present them as your own. That is, it's fucked up, man. It's fucked up. At least because when you're the other guy, you're like, well, no, I don't have a point. What are you doing? <laughs> like, that was my point. <laughs> Yeah, the you know, it's one thing if you broach the conversation like that, if you say something like, oh, we were talking about this backstage and you said this, tell me your thoughts and then you can like react to it. And that's totally fair game. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's it's messed up to steal people's points. It's super messed up. Listen, here's how we can spin this and talk about League again. Well, I'll, I'll give them props. Another good thing, though, about this format compared to the old format is, dude, we're about to have LNG versus KT in a best of three and BLG versus yep. T1 in a best of three. This is going to be fun. This is exactly what we've all been asking for for years. International competition with a series. Like, these are going to be good matches. I'm looking forward to them. These are, And by the way, what's great is you can have either angle on both. You can take either side to win sick. <laughs> I even think those are very interesting matchups, even. Like, they're totally different style contrasts. Like, what's funny is BLG and T1 could be more different. LNG and KT actually share some sort of similarities. It's just the strength of the players is different, like where you're getting the win from. So, because there's what, which one do you want to talk about first? Which teams, which one hypes you the most? I think KT LNG, because people look, you guys know I overdose on the KT copium, but people are, I think, under they've gone the other way. They're going, they're making it out like KT's way aren't they? And they can't possibly win. Yeah, they are. I know what you mean. You know, I'm not going to say KT's had the best tournament. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make that claim. Uh, they have looked better, I think, as time has, has gone on. Uh, BDD is getting better and better. But the thing about KT and LNG, which is so interesting, is we've just seen LNG play a bunch of pick compositions against JDG. Who's the king of the pick comp in Korea? That's KT Rolster, right? So this is a team that really does play a style that we've seen LNG preferring. Now, I don't know if they prefer this style simply because they've played JDG so many times and this is how they think they can beat JDG. I don't know if they're going to opt into it in a similar fashion as we saw with KT. But KT is a very creative team. They think very well on the fly. You guys kind of saw those like cool Nico ganks where um, BDD was pretending to be Nautilus in that game. Um, that was one of the best Nico plays we've seen in a while, mate. <laughs> all those stupid Western ones where they turn into a minion and they hide under the plant or whatever. That was fucking, that was perfect. That was almost what the guy who invented Nico must have literally wanted yes. you to do with it. The, so the old switcheroo. The way, the way he even did the walk up like a Nautilus, dude, yeah. that was fucking sick. He did the stupid zoning walk up and then just did the pop. Oh, that was full fucking good, wasn't it? That was fire. It was, it was great. It, it was almost better, except um, unfortunately there was a minion in the way of Nautilus's hook, of Lehenz's hook. Uh, but yes. whatever, it was fine. It True. turned out great. Uh, they snowballed the game really effectively, then they kind of threw it at 20 minutes into the game uh it got a little concerning with some over pursuits that were happening like that's that's for sure um it it felt a bit ropey especially with the the team fight scaling that we saw from Weibo in the late game like the Siver and Ori were getting pretty scary there but you really saw aiming step up and you saw you know when when they make a decisive play, a really carry a late game. Yeah. I mean, he mega carried on that yes. Kaisa in the last team fight by getting the backline access and and blowing up their backline immediately. It was a really really good play by aiming. Um, yeah, Keen is still a hyper versatile player, but I think you know if LNG opts into kind of single target pick comps, this could be a very interesting kind of mirror matchup between these two squads. Yes, and uh, KT is just so good at this. Uh, I think it's intriguing. I think it's. I think it's really. Intriguing. I think this is a game. Like I say, I know. I know. Listen, I know the odds aren't going to be directly. But I think this is a real coin flip because think about like the different ways it can go. Even stylistically, I agree. They're actually similar teams, which is the cool thing. In fact, people were even talking all year about how it's the classic. They're the LCK team and the LPK. You know all that shit, right? But then you come to this matchup now, right? 
You, in every other matchup that LNG plays, it's like we always have the option to go through Zika. Do you? I thought Keane was the best top player in the world prior to the playoffs. Then we go the mid laners. BDD's pretty fucking good. I think Scout's mega, but BDD's pretty good. And then you go to bot lane. I'll tell you what, actually, that's where I think the pressure is. I think Light is going to be under pressure in this game, mate, because I do think he tossed that game against G2. I don't know what the fuck the build was. I think he made some real mistakes in the positioning. Like, this is an interesting Gala, match for Gala, me. Gala. And, and oh, Sorry, Gala. Yeah, sorry, Gala. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, look, Nick Gala, in that scenario, that's just about who gets the draft. Yeah, so I, I think it's just fucking sick. These, this is a mega matchup. Yeah, Gala has been really good. I think good. it's a chance both teams can be in the playoffs also, so this doesn't even have to be it. Maybe they both get through. Yeah, I, I, I really hope both of these teams get through to the playoffs just because, look, KT is my favorite Korean team. LNG is my favorite Chinese team. So, like, I don't want to see either of these teams eliminated. Uh, it's just, I think it's just really, really hard to call. And they have, you know, KT still has kind of a very deep bag of tricks, particularly with Keen and the, his flexibility in the top lane. And now that, especially... What's exciting is because these teams are going to have several days to prepare for these matchups. It's not like they're just going into it. There's a couple of days off that will really help, I think, make these team these 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 particular matchups bangers. Um, it it should be good. Uh, I I hope we get to see kind of the continued growth of KT and BDD, and as they overcome these nerves, because not seeing peak form KT would be really a shame at this tournament. I think because they are a dark horse in the same way LNG is for a championship. If you, you know, if you just watched LCK playoffs, you were probably, and I think legitimately disappointed, especially in their draft strategy versus T1, which was complete shit. Um, it hasn't looked like their draft strategy is bad. I guess we'll see in the prep phase. Uh, you know, they've had some time to prep for LNG, but this is a very good team when they're, when they're at their peak. Um, I, I hope they can get there again. If not, I love LNG too. And I was so psyched to see the Gala upgrade coming into summer, and it really, really has paid dividends. Could it be better for Gala? He's still got his Ziggs pocket pick chilling there in the bot lane. He's got the the Kaisa that's here, of course, his, his signature champion. Feels really good uh, to be this team right now. And Scout Scout may have been the Scout may be the best player at world so far. I you could make that argument. Oh, that the only problem for LNG is they had sort of like the weak matchups and then they had to play JDG. And spoiler, anyone can look bad against JDG. That's just, that, You'll find out soon. If you think all the other teams are great, we'll find out for all we know. Maybe even Genji gets bashed by JDG later. We'll see. We'll see, boys. Here's here's the interesting question, Thorin. Here's the interesting question. If KT wins and KT beats LNG by playing pick compositions and LNG has correctly identified that this is a weakness that JDG have, is KT actually the kryptonite yep. to JDG? <laughs> like that. The funny thing is, Monty, the only it, to a to a fan who doesn't watch LCK, the only reason to say no is because of the playoff breakdown. So you know that on paper they broke down, didn't do what they should. But I agree. If you look, if you do the thing that you're supposed to do in analysis, which is look fundamentally who the players are and the style, and match them in a game, and imagine KT doesn't crumble, I agree. They're actually probably one of your best chances to beat, even though they're actually not as good as people like BLG potentially. It's a re stylistically, it is probably the chance to beat JDG. Yeah, I think you've got a shot. At least it gets some games off them. Yeah, and the thing is, is if you look at the games that LNG wins, take the, the game they won in this best of three series, there were mistakes that JDG were making early in terms of getting caught out that caused a snowball. KT is very good at doing that. Very good.
Yes. And it it may not be that KT is on the whole a better team than JDG. It just may be that they have refined this one style that might be effective. It, it, it's a supposition. It's a long shot because I'm saying it would require LNG to, cor- to be correct about JDG's weakness, but yes. unable to execute it at the top level. It also requires KT to be able to execute it better than LNG, of which we do not have any evidence that that's the case. But if LNG, if they can, if they can execute it better than LNG, and LNG has been this close to beating JDG, is there a world where KT pulls off that kind of an upset? I don't know. I mean, as soon as I saw the Zika angle in the LPL playoffs, the first thought I had was, we have to put Keane in that scenario. I have to put Keane on a Renekton or a Camilo. Let's get him on a carry champ. And let and it, and then, by the way, after that, if they lose, then I'll give it to 369. No one could beat you, mate. You just unbeatable at this point in time. Because Keane's the obvious one that can do it. Yeah. I, I also think that you have to admit that LNG just has a higher floor than KT does. They've been much more consistent. Um, which has been the issue. So it, it could be just too much to ask from this KT roster that hasn't really delivered in the most important moments. But perhaps this is the turnaround. I mean, we're looking, it's the same thing as Gen G at international tournaments. We, we need KT and Gen G's performance in these moments to change yes. for them to have a chance. Yes. Oh, and by the way, obviously throw this out there. If they end up losing now, KT, but then go through 2 2. They might just get straight drawn against JDG in the quarters, mate. That's the that's on the on the cards at that point. I mean, they can get one three one eight, but yeah, they can, we'll see. The BLGT one, well, I think it's really spicy though, because remember, it's not only the rematch from MSI that was the shock. Everyone was sure T one was going to win because how awesome that upper bracket match against JDG was. But the problem with T one is, dude, this is why this team is a nightmare. They really are just this crazy mixed bag. Like for example, there have been. In the groups, there have been some nice Zeus games. Yeah, there've been some. Some, Guess what? Suddenly, Kerry is doing all the fucking genius plays again. There are the moments that make you blink. But then, like I said against TL, then you think about how Orny did that fucking top gang. It's like really like this. C1 is just, you roll the die, mate. You roll the die and see what comes up with. You think of the owner game against Team Liquid, and then you think of the owner game uh, where they played against Cloud9, and he completely carried the game. Right, with Zayas in the top side. This is the NA court. Not worlds, of course, but NA court, NA court, NA I mean, C9 was horrific that game. The draft was horrific. The way they played the draft was horrific. And the thing about T1 is you might you might think to yourself, wow, T1 really snapped back into form. Here, Here is the truth about T1, guys. They are the best peasant-smashing team in the LCK. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They win games against bad teams real fast because their strength is snowballing a lane, repeatedly diving that lane, punishing the ever-loving shit out of that lane, and then shove it, you know, just shoving the victory down your throat as fast as possible. So this is, don't be fooled by T1 completely bopping Cloud9 from making mistakes. If you make egregious mistakes against T1, they are one of the teams that will punish you the most for those egregious mistakes. But when you're not that bad, they don't actually have the firepower or the late game consistency to take you out. I challenge you guys to go back and watch Faker in the Cloud9 game. He does nothing the whole game. And he doesn't have to do anything. I'm not saying he has to, but he's like 
sitting there like Belvethel thing. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he's like stealing Belvethel to Silas and just like waving his like stingray flippers around doing nothing. Okay. So it wasn't a great Silas game. It wasn't even a particularly good game to pick Silas in the first place. And the reason they got so far ahead was that cloud nine completely fucked up playing the game of league of legends. They completely fucked it up. They, they are five Belveth. They know there's a, Here's the thing about T1, guys. Faker, I call it the Faker Ward. Minute 30, there is a ward that Faker puts at Raptors every single game. Every game, he walks out of lane at a minute 30, and he puts a ward at Raptors, okay? Sometimes a little earlier, but a lot of times he does it as late as possible. So you know there's a ward on your Raptors. When you then... When you pick a losing matchup, so you let them have Rumble, you intentionally pick Jax into it, and in order to do okay in this matchup, you require your jungler to get a deep ward into the jungle so you can proxy farm and then cheater recall back into base to buy yourself some magic resist. But if you walk past the Raptor ward, they know where your jungler is, and then... They just invade you in the top side and they dive the jacks and you don't have any advantages anymore. And we're left holding an empty bag, wondering why we picked jacks in a counter matchup if we required our Belveth to get behind. And there is no hope and the game is completely fucking doomed. It was tragic. And yes, T1 did an excellent job of punishing that play. That is what they do. Do not do dumb things against T1 because you will you will immediately get the clap back. Um, but also, don't let this have faith in you in T1 because I don't think they're going to be BLG. I, I just don't think that this team in this state, Faker's champion pool, has still looked kind of rough uh, at Worlds. He hasn't had the big performances yet. And BLG kind of crapped on T1 at MSI when Faker was maybe in the best form of his career in the last five years. And he's oh, not so right now, guys. And guess what? Owner's not in great shape right now either. And Zayus will choke eventually. So who's going to do it? I hope not. But yeah, you hope. Yeah. By the way, that's actually my one. There's my one light for T1. Is if this is the tournament where Zayus doesn't choke, mate, now is an amazing time, like you say, to have a carrier top option. Like, yep, that could suddenly real. make T1 a dark horse. It could actually make them a team that could do something. They could really go deep in this tournament. But look, we just got to pray. This is the problem with the Korean teams at the moment. There's just a few big stars that just don't have the best history when it gets to the big match. So if someone can overcome that, here's the good news, Monty. I'm going to do the ultimate version of, like, stacking the odds. Between BDD, Zeus, fucking um, Gumayushi, who else are we going with here? Keen, uh, fucking Peanut, Chovy. Surely one of them's going to fucking actually play in the playoffs. Surely <laughs> one per, one or two. Just give me a couple. And if I get a couple, we it's game on. Now we can actually have a fucking Korean team that's going to do something. Yeah, that's all I need. You've got so many chokers there. Someone's going to not choke, surely. By the way, if they just play each other, someone might not choke. Just have Chovy and then play Keen and them. Problem solved. Then they can go through, can't they? <laughs> Please note. Oh, I'll give you a random aside. Here's a classic rant as well. 
where I just react to annoying things said in interviews. I can't, I was trying to search there, but I can't find the exact quote. There was an interview. I think it was, it's, I'm going to guess Ashley Kang or Travis Gafford because other people doing the interviews. It was with Berserker. I can't remember if it was before or after they beat Mad Lions, but he basically made some sort of comment where it was like, you know, the, the gist was sort of like, you know, like something like during my time here, you know, like NA hasn't really had a problem with Europe. It's like, they're looking in the mirror. You're not from NA. You're a Korean fucking player playing for an NA team. Like, how is that? How does trash talking regions work when you're Korean? By that logic, China has dicked every Korean for the last every year except DRX and, and Damon. Do you agree with that? Of course you don't. Do you actually think all those Chinese players? Well, no, they had Korean super carries. You what? That's so egregious to do that when you are the super carry. You're the, you're literally a big fish in a small pond. Going these little small fish can't really handle me guy for, who shouldn't even be in this pond. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that trash talk never works. I know Koreans have just been taught, you just do generic trash talk. I will, We will win the game and they are not as good. Like, I get that. I get that that's a thing. But Berserker, read the room, mate. Like, here's the real question I would have, Berserker. You leave that team and I'll give Cloud9 a choice. They can pick any, any non-import players. They can even have FBI. They can have anyone who's not an import. Does Cloud9 now have a chance against the European teams? Do they fuck? So sit down. And also, you did that after Mad Lions draw. You're saying that like it was G2, my homie. I, Look at the rest of the tournament. C9's done nothing. <laughs> I here's here's what I want I want to know, Thorin, is that when we when we talk about when we talk about Cloud9 and the strategy they go into this game. You know, versus T1, who did look legitimately beatable by Team Liquid, a worse North American team, right? And they sit, they think there, and they they sit there and they think to themselves, "What is the best way we could win this game? Should we take a counter pick should top? You know? Should we take it's a not- counter pick top matchup that will then gimp uh, our two best players, Berserker and Blabber, so that uh, we can oh, let me check my notes." Enable Fudge, who never shows up at an international tournament, versus one of the best carry top players. I've made this comment in the past, Monty. Fudge does some really good work at making himself a fan favorite on LS's streaming and interviews. Enough <laughs> about that. Here's the thing about Fudge. He's a really chill guy. No wonder he's fucking fridge. I tell you what, he keeps everything nice and cold internationally, doesn't he? What a nice cold... Oh, that's that Foster's or something, which if you don't know, by the way, they don't even drink in Australia. It's called piss, basically. Like the import, that's a human. The joke is, Monty, he is Foster's. He, you think he's like Australia's best, then you import him and you're drinking him. I'm drinking a Foster's here. And they go, you fucking dickhead, that's not even that good. There you go. Meanwhile, I guess FBI's, like, you know, the special IPA they've got there that you all underrate and think's not that good. There you go. There's my, there's my meme for you. I don't even drink beer. I think they're all shit, but whatever. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, I I just I just don't understand like what oh, the, the, way, the game plan what, is in that scenario. Here's a layup for you as all, Monty. You called it ages ago. How is anyone on the MNS train still? How is anyone on it? By the way, I don't he's think anybody is. To be fair, <laughs> he seems quite. He seems to be like he's not toxic, but he just seems like a bit of a dick. And if people don't know, I've been looking into this. The horror stories following him from coaches from ERLs insane. They can't even believe he's at a team at Worlds. Like. What were they doing? Like, all I'm going to say is this. It's obviously a classic wheelhouse I'm playing into here, but why does everyone hate winning with Jensen? I don't get it. Why does everyone go out, please, anyone but Jensen, please, anyone but Jensen? Literally, Steve Arlen says, you know what? I'll tank the next two years and about $10 million as long as Jensen's not on my team. Jack from Cloud9. Can I have Diplex? Fuck, Diplex didn't work out. What about Eminence? How about a mid laner? How about some who plays League of Legends? Can we have him? (laughs) 
please, 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 please. Give me a break. Because they're so all in. Like I said, I said this coming in the tournament, Monty. The reason I never had any hope for C9 is they're so all in as a trash. They just are. What are you going to do with that? Nothing. And by the way, I'm not hating on him because he's a roll swap. But it's not like Sven's going to be at all near the top of the supports. So you literally are just a jungler and a fucking ADC. And you know what? That jungler ints. That's why if you're Berserker, this is fucking nightmare mode. Like I You just, can't even get in the game, Mike. I just, I just wish Blabber wouldn't be a team player. I wish he wouldn't be. A, uh, just imagine I that I, I, I want don't even the, get to ask for the carry pick. I want Dardock. I want Dardock, Blabber. That's what I want. I, I am dying. I am dying for the audio of their comms and draft when they get to R5 of the game versus T1 and and Blabber just agrees to pick Belveth and then go help the Jax on a ward he has to know that is there and then I would just be so angry I'd be like you motherfucker you picked into a losing matchup so I have to do this shit and now our entire team is completely and totally boned <laughs> Just I'll tell you what sentence I never thought I'd ever say though. Here's a sentence I never thought I'd ever say though. Cloud9 against T1, Monty, is two teams playing at a world championship that could have been coached by LS. <laughs> Did I slip into an alternate timeline here? So what's going on right now? What, what is reality? Dude, LS used to be a guy, like somebody inside, I said all those years ago, if we brought him on in like 2016, they were like, who the fuck's this idiot? Get him off the bus. <laughs> what's going on here? What's going on? By the way, my mate Youngbuck won six of them motherfuckers in Europe. He can't even get a sniff at a real coaching gig. These guys are just fucking scorching everyone's mental in it. I <laughs> and by the way, all I'm going to say is this. Maybe I shouldn't do it. No, you know what? It's an obvious joke no one ever made. I'm just going to say, I, I, I think you all overrated that Max Waldo one because it really was just where's Waldo won it. Just fucking that's all it ended up being. <laughs> I'll just throw this out there as well. So this is one thing I don't get. I'd actually love to, maybe I'll get one interview and talk to him. But Mithy is the coach cloud nine. Dude, I've always thought this guy was a brilliant mind for draft yeah. and for knowing like how to maximize his team. I don't know what that makes me feel because when I've talked to him, here's the problem, Monty. He does that's when he's a player in the team and he can convince people. I think his problem for real is you know the concept in sports of being a player's coach. Yes. Right? Fans think that's good because they love star players. You know that's a death sentence. Players' coaches don't win the championship because they do what the players want. Yes. So I'm sorry, Monty. I think what happens there when you're describing it, I'll give you my speculation. People like Fudge are the big voices and then they get their pick and then they get the draft set up and then he ready. They don't do anything in the game and then the fan goes, well, it's not his fault. You don't know behind the scenes. Maybe it was yeah. all his fault. That's all we know. I'm just giving uh, speculation. Obviously, I don't really know that. I'm just speculating. Yeah, it's 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 always One hard world. to know, you know, who does, who makes these decisions. But it, it just was the, the combination of the pick and the game plan was really just quite baffling in, in that instance. And like By I said, the way, you know the obvious thing to me? Here's the obvious thing I've learned from this world's not rift rivals, but we need like IEMs, we need real tournaments that are mainly just the Western teams and maybe like one LPL team. If we had those, we'd all be loving like a best of three between like fucking Fnatic and Cloud9 in one of those tournaments where the implications are you can still come top four. Like in at that tournament, I'd watch. You, you need parity, basically. What people don't understand in league is it's the gap that ruins it. It's when you see JDG drawn against like you know fucking like BDS. You don't even think it's possible. You can't. You can. You literally sit there. And you can't even predict the way they could win the game. It's like there's no. Whereas I want like I want parity is all I want. So I want, when you do it, it when when you do international tournament, just give us like a Western one. 
do an Asian one as well. Do like a one halfway through for Asian teams only. I would do that because I do want more series. I want more matchups like this. It's just at the moment they're bad matchups, you know. And I can't really believe whoever wins it. Like, and it's C9 against Fnatic. Well, whoever wins not doing anything. Who gives a shit? So I can't really get hyped for that, can I? That's why Play-Ins was fun because they were actually playing for yeah. something. I enjoyed watching yeah. Play-Ins. I thought it was very entertaining. Also, I'm just going to say this right now. This is a classic what Thorin take that gets everyone really upset. The way Gam reacted to beating Team Liquid shows you why this tournament is an abomination and Gam should never even be in the top 16. They acted like they just made the semis of Worlds, bro. They just didn't go 0-3. Spoiler, they're going 1-3 now. Like, I know, look, I understand you're going to go, but they're a small event. Then it all shouldn't be in the main event because Rookie and Jackie Love are watching that going, can I get in the game, coach? If you don't know, by the way, guys, not only do you not know about Rookie, but Jackie Love is probably like a top four ADC in the world this year. He's fucking amazing this year. But sadly, this is the year where he got into it, so he didn't get to go. So it just kills me because, like I say, every other game, Dota, CSGO, if you're just good, you can qualify. You can make it from the circuit. You can make it through the qualifier. Leagues hamstrings who can be there, and then we end up with amazing players and teams sitting watching TL versus Gam. Another world. We'll let one go. We'll let one go. Let no one go. rookie. The, this, it, I mean, his career arc by the by the end of his career is so going to be such a tragedy. It's going to be such a tragedy. Because here's the other thing, Monty. If you want to make it even more evil, just go back in time and have KT win Game Five of the IG series. He'd have no worlds. He'd have made one quarters, one quarters in the semis. If it wasn't for that one run on IG, there wouldn't even be the championship. It's actually sad. It's brutal, isn't it? Just shows how league. To me, I actually here's my analogy. The real problem in league is this, Monty. You know, in Counter Strike, you can make it an analog to the NBA because it is a game where individually you can carry, even if your team's playing like shit. In the same way as it doesn't matter who his teammates are, you throw Michael Jordan the ball and he can do whatever he wants. He's still Michael Jordan. It doesn't change who his teammates are, right? League is more like the NFL. If your team is shit, like Miles Garrett right now is unbelievable. If you watch him in yeah. the NFL, Monty, his team has no chance to win the Super Bowl because they're the Cleveland Browns. Like he can't win. But in this analogy, right? If you're a rookie, a fan doesn't get it, Monty. They don't get why he's not at Worlds. To them, if he really is like a GOAT candidate and he is as good as I say, why isn't he here? Because you don't know how badly other players can fuck the game up. I've always said the worst thing about League, it's what everyone in solo queue knows. You know when you're the fucking ADC and you farm perfectly and you get one kill, but then your top laner dies five times in a row, it's over. Your, your yep. success cannot beat what that top laner on Jax is going to do to you. Whereas in the basketball analogy, I'm still Michael Jordan. <laughs> I still can do what I want to do. So in this game, you can't. it doesn't matter how good you are. If your team fucks it for you or you're in the best region, you won't be at Worlds. It's brutal, but it's just the way the game works, sadly. And the formats, it's obviously the worst qualification format. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Uh, I think we probably should talk about G2 a little bit. Uh, Let's do it. Before we By do way, We can actually be great celebratory. This is the yes. one part we can be really yeah, awesome kind about. Of a doer. Shit. But yeah. before, before we do that, we do have uh, one more sponsor for you guys today. And that is going to be HelloFresh. They're back again. Thank you very much, HelloFresh. It's another product that uh, I was using before we started this sponsorship. Um, so it's something that I was genuinely very much enjoying. And so I was very happy also to get them uh, to come on the show. And HelloFresh is a meal kit service. So you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients, seasonal recipes, 
they all get delivered to you in the refrigerated box with cold packs in it. And this is great. Uh, if you're an experienced cook like me, it makes it so you have a couple fewer meals to meal plan every week and you can still have home cooked, healthier versions of food. It's cheaper than doing takeout and you get to expand your horizons. Um, you know, I've cooked recipes and learned stuff even as an experienced cook from from following the recipe cards on on HelloFresh. And most importantly, if you're learning how to cook, this is the best way to do it because you're not buying a bunch of extra groceries. You're not buying a bunch of extra ingredients. You can, you know, look at the recipe cards. Very, very easy to follow. You only need a few things in your pantry. Um, it's it's great. It's a, it's a very great service. Um, if you have a nutty schedule, they've got uh, very easy things that you can make that take like 20 minutes. I often have done that for lunch in the past and everything is just really, really fresh. So if you guys are interested in trying this service, please go ahead and use our code. You can go to hellofresh.com slash 50 LFN and use code 50 LFN for 50% off plus free shipping on those orders. Uh, it does help us if you guys do use those codes, obviously it gives you, uh, you know, the bonuses as well. Um, and they've got a bunch of extra like grocery kind of add-ons and snacks and a variety of different things. And the more meals you get per week, the cheaper each meal is. So getting, you know, three or four can be very, very helpful. Um, so that, that has been a great service. I would encourage you to use it, um, better, better than eating takeout. I can tell you that for sure, and you'll learn a lot more from doing it. So thank you very much for HelloFresh and their sponsorship. And we can now talk about gamers too. Here's the thing, Monty. If you want to learn how to cook, you got to have the right ingredients, <laughs> but then put them together with the correct technique and understand what you're trying to create in the end. So just like HelloFresh, we now talk about G2 because you know what? It's now looking just like you can support last free nation with hell. It's now looking like Europe's the last free nation. We've got G2 at least to make us go all the way through. Because <laughs> actually, mate, bit. I have to say, look, everyone's going to get overhyped like they did with the last lineup with the Ancos last year and to, and Targa Mass, etc. Look, this obviously isn't G2 2019. I'll tell you what, it's a fucking good team. They actually are the bet more than the sum of their parts. Like, think about how awesome the rundown is, mate. Like, Broken Blade isn't having any problems. He's looking fucking good. Yike is actually stepping up in games. Hans Sama looks awesome on all the picks. Caps, it's always overrated because he's never going to be old. He's still good. He's still good. Mickey X, by the way. Doinby. Shall we do that one now? Shall I do my quick rant? You know, Doinby is one of my all-time favourites, like Cloud Templar. In the game, genius. Outside of the game, as Azale level takes. <laughs> Doinby ranked all the players on G2 before this tournament, Monty. This motherfucker does not watch LEC. Of course he, he ranked doesn't. all of them S plus or S, and then Mickey X was like minor, S minus. He was the worst <laughs> player on the team, according to Doinby. Now, look, I know, Doinby, you mind-controlled your support to win Worlds, but this guy's making his own decisions, mate. He's actually doing some work. He can actually fucking get busy. Yeah, people. People also criticize. I think people are going to criticize G two. I think a bit unfairly. Look, this is wrong. not. This is not <laughs> a team that we expected to beat Gen G. That's obvious. Oh, that, I actually think no joke. I, I, didn't we talk about this? That's probably for a Western team. I'd rather no. This might sound mad. I'd rather have JDG than Gen G if I'm G two. I have no That's chance against Genji. They stack the whole map against me. What lane do I win in? You know what I mean? Like, where do I get my edge? <laughs> it's very hard, I think, if without a good sense of macro to be able to 
beats Gen G when they're playing their own game. And here's here's the criticism that I've seen leveled against them, which I think is kind of preposterous, which is the following. Well, why did you let Delight have Rakan? Well, guys, they've they showed in LEC playoffs that they actually do have a very effective Rakan counter in the Lissandra support, the thing that only they play, yep. so you can't practice against it. Not like, Gen cool. G, not, not like Gen G didn't know that that was coming. I think to Chu Genji's credit, they were very prepared for that pick, right? And that's why we saw the Silas come out before the second round of bans in that draft because, I mean, they kind of got baited into it in certain ways. Um, but this was a this was a counter pick that came in. They wanted to play with these things early on. They wanted to have an effective draft, and they I I think they did what they could. This was not a matchup that I think G2 went in thinking that they were going to win in a standard fashion. Dude, uh, how are we going to hate on them, like you say, for doing the, the counter only they had when we don't know the counterfactual? What if they played a meta pick and just lost the same way? Then you'd look like an idiot. Like, you had a, a cheese angle. Because remember, no one ever thought G2 was going to play a straight-up league and just win 2-0. No, that was never happening. So I, I agree I, with you, Monty. This was the correct angle for cheese. They, they also had a very well-designed level one strat in game one where they had the setup uh, against Doran where... You know, Caps like Rocket jumped into the bush while they had the flank in and Doran had to level Leap Strike and like escape, escape the gank. It's unfortunate they couldn't blow a summoner, but this is the level of preparation. All the shit we said was great about G2 coming into this. Interesting counter picks that teams are not going to be accustomed to playing against. Strong level one strategies. And what, what, like, what do you motherfuckers want from this team? They already beat both a Korean and Chinese team. Okay, the Weibo game was definitely ropey, but they they pulled it off in the end, right? They they ended up with the win, and this is a team that, by all accounts, they have beaten the fourth seeds from both LCK and LPL. They are very deserving of a quarterfinal spot. It's it's sad that they they lost to to Gen G, but by God, they should be able to beat NRG, and they should be able, I think, to potentially Absolutely. put up a decent fight. They should win, go 3-1, and if they aren't the unlucky team that draws JDG or Genji again in the quarterfinals, if they could play a 3-2 team, they might have a shot at winning. They might have a legit shot at winning. Yes. So, yes. it's and, good. And like we say as well, because they'll be 3-1, you can get lucky and get the other 3-1 team. Like, you could actually be in a world where you get, like, T1. That's not impossible. Look, it's going to be hard no matter what, obviously. It's the top eight of worlds. You know, that's the thing, Monty. I keep telling people, but it hasn't ticked over because it takes oh. time before people become acclimatized. Yeah, go on. Yeah, they, they can't. Actually, sorry, my bad. They can't draw Genji or JDG because it's only the 3-2 team. So the three zeros, they, they only play yeah, three yeah, teams. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, they could lose their energy and play them. Let me put it this way. They Yeah, yeah. So here's, here's, let me rephrase this. If they aren't the unlucky team that draws the other 3-1 team, which could be LNG. Right, or KT. Um, I, th I think they're worse than yes. those teams. So if they aren't yes. the, the unlucky team that draws the other 3-1 team, there, there is an unlucky and a lucky draw here, guys. If they draw one of the two, three, or one of the, the, the if they draw the 3-2 team, um, then they're going to have a better shot. Um, so th this is, this is a good team. They are a world-class team. They've shown that. We we suspected that this was the case given their level of play coming in. And in the second game, I think the second game is less defensible. But you know what? They tried something different. They wanted to run with the Lucian. The Nautilus is a Rakan counterpick. They did get a kill in lane. 
with dilution and Nautilus. So it seems to have at least been minorly effective. I think a lot of the problem was um, they did end up kind of lacking in terms of late game damage. A lot of the other lanes went down. But there's also the factor that Peanut just ran a jungle masterclass that game and had like 100% kill participation. And what are you expecting? Peanut is a top two jungler. It's him and Kanavi. I think basically everybody agrees that Peanut and Kanavi were the best junglers coming into Worlds. They Yike do this thing I'm sick of where if he chalks the big game, they act like he chalked every game and it was never good. Like I've seen people do this to Trophy until like this year with all the championships. Dude, they act like if you put the, they act like cause they chalk like the final of LCK that they're going to chalk against like an European team. No, it's the joke is the reason Trophy and Peanut are so revered is because they've done everything except the thing that makes you the goat. Basically they're like this close to the end of it. So people do underrate these players. They take the flaw and exaggerate. Like they're doing it with G2 even dude. So they lost to Gen G even though yes, by definition, Dam 1 and Weibo are the most beatable of the LPL and LCK. They still took care of them. I saw a lot of other teams here, Monty, from the West not take care of those teams. Look silly against those teams. G2 took care of those squads. They actually were the better squad and beat them both. I, all I'm going to say is compare the compare the G2 D-plus game to the fucking BTS, BDS D-plus game. Like, yes. <laughs> this, this is a good team. This is a respectable team. They, this they is why you should be hyped. They're, they're because getting... in, in other years, you won't get this, mate. Like, if you remember, if this format was run how I want it, with the seeding and reseeding, Monty, then logically, you'd probably only have one Western team could get through because there's eight teams from LPL. And they're probably going to be 3-2, which means they'll play a 3-0 team and they get smacked in the quarters. So in the future, to even make the quarters is the, is the prize. Then you're hoping for a miracle to make you the semis. So just... What you have to understand is this. It's not 2016. You can't do a H2K run to semis. You can't do a Cloud9 run. You can't do that. You actually have to, essentially, like, these are the wins we have to celebrate. We actually have to give G2 their flowers now for what they're doing and then hope they get the right matchup. I'm with you. I mean, look, there's there's a world where, like, Cloud9 beats Fnatic and then plays NRG, NRG wins, and then G2 draws NRG in quarters. That's a world. That is an, that is a, That is an option that is on our table. Uh, currently, thanks to the Swiss, where G2 punches a relatively easy ticket. But here, here's something for you guys. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that G2 could beat G uh, T1 in a semifinal matchup. Look, T1 could be a 3-2 team. Yeah. That could be a five-game yep. banger. That could be a five-game banger, guys. Like, it, I, I think that it's unlikely they make semifinals, but the combination of a terrible last phase in Swiss where Cloud9 or Fnatic face NRG coupled with a, a quarterfinals draw not it, it could be okay here's the, here's the reason why that's this is I'm going to already be the downer immediately though I know what you mean if I make everything that goes like the way I want it to go they could actually not only play T1, they could beat them, Monty. But sadly, here's what I think happens. If they play them, T1 just comes out with some like genius game one draft strategy, then wins like a normal game to, and then stops game three and it's 3 zero. And everyone's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? It's like, as you say, T1 stops people. They only look bad because they were playing KT and Gen G. They look <laughs> fucking awesome against everyone else. Some of their faker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, then again, though, the joke there would be Monty. That matchup also would be cancer on the Western broadcast. Can you imagine how they would talk about Caps versus Faker? You would think it was like five years ago for real. Like they would be, they, they would be making these guys sound like Knight and Chauvy right now. Like, and then and then you'd watch the game, and they'd both be like, "I'm playing Oria. No, I'm playing Oria. You know. What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> <Please. laughs> 
<laughs> why why is uh, it like this it's it's the the power of the power of the narratives man it's the it's the power of the narratives and and we cannot deny that the faker narrative is the bedrock of League of Legends viewership expectations. It is the anime narrative, yeah. By the way, I even think, here's what's low-key cool. I'll give you a... You know what? I know my mistake now. Rather than punish someone, Monty, you reward the behavior you want to see. That's actually how you train animals and humans better than like the Prussian method of being harsh and being very punishing. So instead of just criticizing people for always overrating Faker in the second half of his career, which, by the way, has been fucking nonsense, and he's just fluked a bunch of LCK titles, had none, no world's wins, and has never been close to the best mid laner. Here's the positive narrative for Faker. He's doing what is really cool in great sports and esports like CSGO, NBA, which is when you're the great team, Monty, but you're not as good anymore. You're not the dominant team. You've fallen off a little bit, but you still have the same pieces. If you are the truly great team, you might not always win like the championship anymore, but you can like steal series you shouldn't have. You can still like have a throwback game or you have like a game where you suddenly, oh, that's why they used to be so good. And you just take games you're not supposed. By the way, they did this in LCK. You win the game you're not supposed to win. You couldn't have actually won LCK but tell you what you beat KT you fucking put them in the dirt and they were supposed to be better than you so the same thing I think when people look at Faker's career unless you're talking about pre-2018 he's not the GOAT in this part of his career he's not the best mid laner ever but it is sick that he can still play and have impact on the game he can help other people carry the game this is why the real tragedy is fucking Zayas being a shitter at all these tournaments if he was like the true <laughs> carry player that we want him to be Faker probably could have got this they guy would, a world championship yeah. you know what I mean they would have won worlds yeah. <laughs> yeah I agree because it was it, honestly it was the, the big time performers disappearing in that world's finals I mean Yes. My God, dude, Zayas, you fucking got styled on by Kingen. Gross. That's just revolting. <laughs> you like uh, we talked about this before, but Zayas literally let Kingen get World's Finals MVP. Like that is a that is a dark stain on your soul until the end of time. Uh, that is that is bad. That is bad. Well, the most hilarious thing is that see. Here's what's great about that, though, Monty. That actually is what proves that it was an insane fluke. Because here's the thing, Monty. If it had been Zika got MVP, I could go, well, he is really good on those two champions, to be fair. If Death got it, he's one of the best players of all time. The idea in the same team with those players, it was fucking Kingen, who's the MVP. <laughs> that's the... That's the like... That's essentially the fucking dead rat cherry on top of the shit kick by a bomb. <laughs> just put, file that whole one in the trash get out <laughs> okay uh i think that about wraps up our conversation about uh the upcoming swiss games guys um as usual just as an aside if you haven't uh subscribed over to last free nation culture yet we did in fact just drop the last film noir video with la confidential episode is an absolute banger with me richard and thorin very yeah, underrated movie, movie. So far. Yeah, I think it's a really incredible movie. We're doing 90s action next. So if film noir wasn't your thing, go subscribe because we're doing face off uh, later this week, which is. I'm going to take his face off. <laughs> which is. You know what? I'm, I might even on my side channel, I might even do a video about Nicolas Cage because I don't think people understand. He is Weibo Gaming. The ceiling's way higher than it should be, but the floor's crazy too. Like. That is one of the most bonkers actors of all time, isn't it? Because it's like even he doesn't know if he's acting in a good movie or a bad one right now. Like he just doesn't know. It does doesn't he? matter. It doesn't, it doesn't know. matter. No. Dude, I, we'll talk about this, but just I watched Face Off again, and like the first five minutes of that movie are so fucking absurd. I just I buy into it completely. Nicholas Cage. Is just one of my so favorite funny. moments. 
in the whole movie. It's a low-key underrated one. Is that one where cause he's cause the cop guy is actually like now the Nicolas Cage character, the Castor Troy. It's when he has to like prove he's Castor Troy by taking all those drugs and they bring like that, you know, he gets out of prison, they bring that little like set of old drugs. He's like, oh shit, like that whole scene is so cringe. Because it's like basically it's like when you try a, a joint when you're like 16 at the house party, like you have smoked before. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, what, you know, like, it's so fucking insanely active. It's so ridiculous. It's so good. I love it. I fucking love it. Everything and he has that, that like stupid thing that goes on his knuckles like like uh, it's literally designed for real this is where you realize john woo's supposed to be in an asian aesthetic because it's just pure cringe in the west and it's well, i i just love how they put nicholas cage in the asian aesthetic even at the start of the movie when they put him in like those like red hexagonal yes. glasses yeah. and he has the golden dragon money clip that is straight yeah. out of a hong kong triad movie i'm like yes. no white guy would <laughs> no it's the shit though isn't it? I know. and then obviously without saying anything more we've referenced it a million times on best damn league show this year obviously just the whole peach, I could eat a peach for hours dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> but even though we made it sound shit, watch it. It is fun. It, it is, is fun actually watch. really fun. It's it, The thing is, it's actually a good movie because it, it plays by its yes. own internal rules very well. The premise is genius, by the way. And the premise, premise is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the premise yeah. is amazing. All right. Well, if you want to hear more of us, that'll be that'll be out next week. So yes. uh, just prepare yourselves yes. for that more. It's more of that conversation with our editor, Danian, doing a wonderful job of like finding the clips and like putting them in there. So it's even funnier. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back for viewer questions. See you in a couple. Right. We are back for viewer questions. If you don't know, the way you participate in viewer questions is not unlike the name by actually watching on Twitch because obviously most people are going to watch this on the VOD or listen on Spotify where you can also get this available as a video. That's just how you do segues and sort of plugs. But the way you do it is you uh, subscribe to our Discord, which gives us a very nice, healthy cut, which helps support us. And obviously that's why we then give you like an hour or so of answering all sorts of questions. Half of them are like, as I always say, basically people getting money to do their English literature homework and <laughs> Or asking me stuff like, you know, right now, off the top of your head, name the top five players to ever be in top lane ever. Like, and then I have to. <laughs> and then so it's all fun. It's all the fun of the farm. So that's it. Um, and okay. also, I sometimes do things like say light players for LNG and the new morons go, he's not even on LNG. He was on LNG for fucking years, you morons. The joke is I know the LPL too well, and then I made a brain fart. So anyway. <laughs> all right. But now, so... but now, like fucking Dali, you're all just going to worship Gala. That's straight <laughs> fire fucking reference. That's you don't good. even know it, fans. Whatever. It was pretty All good. right. Pretty good. Uh, similar to Killers <laughs> of the Flower Moon, uh, what is a real world event you feel would make an excellent film and why? Uh, well, clearly, Aaron Sorkin was put on God's earth to make the FTX movie that will inevitably come out at some point in time. Uh, just feels like that is destined to happen and honestly the whole sam bankman freed ftx thing is one of the more interesting things in recent memory that could be converted into a great film i think i think there's a loads of things like first of all if i can cheat because technically sports is real life monty like one i can't believe they haven't done even if not like an officially licensed one even if you just did it where it was like you just do the analog of that person how has no one made a sports movie about the Kobe versus Shaq dynamic where you're like winning while hating on each other and arguing over who the it that would be an incredible fucking sports movie like forget Moneyball Wimbledon that would shit on them all if you cast it right then if you want to do real life things Monty obviously there already was a Napoleon movie 
go watch the old Waterloo one with Orson Welles and that guy. In. But obviously, there's the one coming up. Essentially, I think those are the movies you need to make. You need to make movies where it's like the legendary figure. So I would pick someone like he was technically in 300, but in a shit way. I would do a movie about like the Persian Empire and like King Xerxes and shit. People don't know these guys ran game over the whole world. How about a movie about Genghis Khan? Like a full on one They're where you go one. hardcore into it. Yeah, and you try to show like. Like how insane not any, the like, conqueror guys. No, <laughs> not the one from the fifties. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about doing like a full on one with yeah. proper like graphics, massive fight scenes. Because another thing I'll tell you right now, Monty, you know what people make this meme and it's true that like CGI has gotten worse. I'll tell you what I would love. Do you remember the scenes before the Battle of Mordor where you see the battles and it's like the and the armies? It's like I want to see that before a Genghis Khan one. And you just ride into battle. Or the Persians where they, they claimed they had like a million men or whatever. I want to see that battle. That's what how, I want to see. How about uh how about the the Hannibal movie where he invades Rome by taking his elephants over the Alps and fights them at Canae? How about that one? How come we don't have that one? <laughs> <laughs> So I think there's loads of historical epics they haven't even done, yeah. Uh, let's move on. Uh, wanted to say the Culture Channel is amazing. It is. Uh, really enjoy it. It widens my horizons a lot. My question, though, is what other must-see slash read noir material do you guys recommend? Okay, I like this question. Uh, really enjoying it at the moment from the movies you covered and want to do a deep dive into it. Well, we talked a lot about Double, double Indemnity, which Richard and I both really like from that period. If you want other, If you want other media... Play L.A. Noir, the game. L.A. Noir is a fucking amazing game. They like L.A. Noir is so amazing. The Australian studio that made that game basically ruined all of the developers' lives because the crunch was so insane because they literally took pictures from 1940s Los Angeles and recreated Los Angeles so you could just drive around in the game and it looks like the 1940s. And they have excellent, like, fun noir stories. It is an incredible game. Also... Um, if you like graphic novels, the fade out, uh, which is Ed Brubaker, Thorin got me turned on to, to Ed Brubaker. Yeah, sort of Ed Brubaker's stuff is sort of like noir tech stuff. Yeah, but, but the fade out, shit, the yes. fade out is literally a 19, like forties film noir story. I mean, that's a homage. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so the fade out is great. The fade out is great. In a way, it's it's a comic book that has nothing to do with superheroes. He's intentionally writing it outside of the genre. So it's not Spider-Man. It's like he, he says, it's a film noir. By the way, I forget the name, but Richard even mentioned on one of the episodes, literally, it might be on this one, he, he mentions a book that's about like noir type stuff or whatever that was like really good apparently. I mean, I can just give you some we didn't do that for, from the list. Like I'll give you some like modern and some old ones if you want to watch them. So uh, there's a modern movie. It has that Joseph Gordon-Levitt guy called Brick, which is sort of like a modern yep. independent neo-noir, which is kind of a cool story. If you've never seen the movie Inherent Vice with Joaquin Phoenix, believe it or not, that P.T. Anderson, as our noisy genius, he managed to actually film a fucking Pynchon novel and make it really good. Like it has the, like the disorientating element of a Pynchon novel with psychedelic sort of components and you're not quite sure with the character. It's brilliant. Uh, you can go through the fucking list. Uh, one of the old other ones for... Uh, like real noir. What are the other classic ones? We did Double Indemnity. The Big Sleep. Uh, the Big Sleep's probably, I think it's actually my favorite of the of the Bogart ones. Um, what else is the Vertigo, obviously. Now oh, I'm going to say, yeah. people will go, it's a great film. But it's it's a bit experimental, but it, it's just it's just such an unusual film. Like if you could know what that film was to be like when it came out, it is sort of like some visual representation of LSD or something bad, you know, from the 50s or whatever it is. So, no, there's a lot of really good movies in that. If you want other modern-day ones for neo-noir, Memento by Christopher Nolan, because Christopher Nolan's so huge. How many people haven't seen that? It's mega. Sin, I Sin think, City. actually, I put, I put one on here. Sin City's great. 
Uh, the graphic novels are mega on that, by the way. The art is incredible. There's a movie that a lot of people haven't seen that has Val Kilmer in called The Salton Sea, which is a really interesting one about a guy who has to go undercover in like a meth community around the Salton Sea, which is that area if people don't know that was a sea, but now it's like a, like because it was salt, it's all sort of dried out. And there's, it's a very, it's a really out there movie. It has Vincent D'Orfario in as well. So yeah, there's some, there's some brilliant movies in this genre to watch. It's actually a very underrated genre, isn't it? Yeah. We, or film the white self. We would have uh, look. We we had a tough choice in this one because we had four movies over a, like an actual fifty over fifty year time span, and we tried to you know get in as it, it turned out that those movies actually connected to each other really quite well, but that was mostly accidental. <laughs> I mean, yes. it, as you'll see in the LA Confidential one we released, we we were really glad we did the movies we did in the sequence we did them because it really they all kind of all roads kind of led to LA Confidential at the end, but that was more circumstantial than actual clever planning on our part but it worked out really well yeah, by um, the way i've got a question being as you are a bogart and a noir fan i have a question for you in this sense which is are which of the other sort of 50s ones that people don't watch as much actually are like what, what, what do you pick like for example are you going to pick something out of a big caper or fucking sunset boulevard as well sunset boulevard's very good it's a million of them Sun, Sun, sunset boulevard's like uh like if you really want that era like the glass key is another one uh sunset boulevard the third I, man how about that? There's a yeah. banger for you. The third man. Yeah. Kiss of death. There's lords. Yes. I mean, there's so many. Um, but yeah, I, I also would like recommend some of those other forms of media. You could also just go back and read the books because if you, I will tell you right now, I've read the big oh, sleep. Go read the Raymond Chandler books. Yeah, right. go read Raymond Chandler. Like if you read the big sleep, you will find that it is very different because of the Hayes Code than the actual big sleep movie. I mean, that, Right. You know, it does have the, the all of the taboo elements that they couldn't put in film. It's kind of like hilarious how they they tried. I think the big sleep is like fine on its own, but it's it's quite they 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 definitely had to like, you know, finesse it, let's say. Infer it, yes. <laughs> I will say as well, if you like the true noir movies of the 50s, that's probably the most consistent genre. Like they actually nailed the formula. They did a lot of films in that. But I think it's actually one where if you got if you like one or two, you're probably gonna like ten or fifteen of them. You know. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely play L.A. Noir. I think L.A. Noir is like a fucking banger game. I think it's great. Uh, when Thorin tweeted out Rafa winning the Quake Championship 2023, a reply posted a video of Rafa talking to Carmack through his 2010 ESL win. As someone not familiar with Quake, this was an incredible resource to A, learn about the game, and B, understand the mindset of an elite player. LFN is to create a professional confessional, a video series where an LFN cast member is walked through a historic game slash clip by a pro, weaving in a few questions throughout. For your inaugural episode, you must choose one guest plus moment combination to have on from both LOL and CSGO. No constraints, we have translators. Uh, P.S. Please turn this concept into reality. It would be awesome. I would love to do this kind of stuff. I think you have to do. Look, if you're in a League of Legends fan, is there any more pivotal moment than Faker's first game in in League of Legends and the incredible debut that he had and the run that that set him on? You could pick his first champion too, which they came back uh, in summer with a reverse sweep. But either of those games, um, I would be very interested to hear Faker's reflections on his thoughts going into that moment, how he had prepared for that moment, what the moment meant to him in the end, taking out ambition and blaze in the way that they did. Uh, it, it would be utterly fascinating. It's the thing, Monty. Did it say he has to win the game? No, no, of course not. Anything you want. Then here's the, then here's the one I want to find out what Fake is thinking throughout the whole game. Game 5 EDG, MSI 2015. He picks LeBlanc. I want to see his thoughts in draft. 
in the game That's as fun. he plays. I've told people this. I did a video about this. He gets ahead in the game. He's killing people, but his team in. So I want to know what's he thinking. What, what, like, for example, here's what I would love to know, Monty. Since he was unbeatable on LeBlanc, what was he even thinking when the game was getting out of control? Was he like, right, I'll have to like try and get a pick on this guy or I'm going to try and like express this? I'd, that's what I'd love to know. There's a league one for you. CSGO, there's a lot you could pick from for that one. Like, I'm trying to think what I would maybe do for that one. All right, I'll give you one where, I think people might remember this. The first major after the online era, the PGL Stockholm one, was the one where G2 made the finals and lost to Na'Vi. But a lot of people forget G2, the way they played, was probably supposed to lose in the semifinals to Heroic. And on the third map, Inferno, Nico and like Hunter and a bunch of the other G2 just played lights out. They just win a bunch of rounds. You should never win. They're winning two VXs. I'd love to get Nico and ask him like that game. Like what, what was going on? Like what, what was in your head? Like how were you combating them? Like that, that would just be a, it's a banger match. It's one of the most like forgotten classic games ever. Go watch that semifinal. It's a banger. I do appreciate that Riot has done a little bit of this with the replay files, um, but obviously they're constrained by the players they have in North America to do that. But it is shocking that more tournament production has not gone into making this kind of content. It feels like it's incredibly free. Especially because, like you say, the person who has the best crack at this isn't us. It's actually the TO. Like, yes. LCK could just ask Faker and probably do it. They just don't have the ambition to do it. LCS could just say to Doublelift, can we do this game where you, like, beat TSM finally on Shield? You know what I mean? They could just get these done. We have to, like... Like, the problem with that one is it's really hard to set the player up to do that. The other problem I'll throw in as well is this. The mistake there is... Carmack, I have an insane memory, guys. Carmack made that video not long after that final. And I think he let Rafa pick the game. But the difference is, if you asked Faker now about like 2015, the joke is you'd have to coach him to even remember the bloody game. It was in 2015. He's played a million games. So, uh, uh, you know, I'll give you a little bit of behind the curtains here, Monty, that people never understand. You know, there's idiots that complain that I talk too long in the interview questions on Reflections, the greatest interview series in the history of this field, while dickheads like you thought fucking Ashley Kang. Guys, what questions shall I ask at my only job? You give that person journalist the year. No, I only do 50 banger interviews with all the greats of all time. When I tell them that, you go... Is he talking? Because I'm actually secretly coaching the player on what happened before he answers the question. And then you were in the semi-finals, Nico. And remember, a lot of people thought at the time maybe Heroic was the better team, but you got behind her. I'm saying that because for real, that's making Nico remember the moment and now he can answer the question. Like, So the, the real issue is I, I essentially the Rafa one was a very extreme set of circumstances that I don't think you could recreate in a lot of the other ones. A lot of the players don't have that sort of mind for it. And it's a 1v1 game. So he has a member of the whole game. In any team game like these ones, there's things that they they don't even they didn't even see their teammates POV. They don't know what he was doing at that bomb site or why the why the guy did this in top lane that drew the jungle, you know. So it would just be a bit trickier. I like the idea though. It is a brilliant idea in, in concept, yeah. Next question. Do you think the death of Superman broke comics? This is a Thorin question. How would you better resolve death revival issues when the protagonist always has plot armor? You're a big Superman. Like basically, fan. yes, the premise if people don't know is this. Because at the time, the perception was you've done everything with Superman. Well, the one thing you haven't done, because except for Kryptonite, you can't die, right? Is you haven't killed him, right? So they realized, it was, the, it was the 90s or whatever, the way you can make the sales go crazy is just kill Superman and then keep it uncertain 
is he is he ever coming back? And then they even did this thing where he sort of came back, split in two, one was like an energetic blue water. And so the real problem, it's why he says it brought comics, is because it made it so that you started to do it where you did kill all these characters off, but then they always come back to life somehow later on and you bring them back because they're money makers. So it means the death doesn't mean anything. I would give the analogy to like Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. I think bringing him back for real as a human was one of the stupidest moves ever. Look, I hated when he died like that in the show. It was so fucking like horrible for the storyline, but it was powerful as fuck. The fact he came back later undercut the whole thing. It basically meant that you'd, I tricked you. Ha ha, tricked you. Well, once you've done that, death doesn't mean anything. You've actually violated like a core concept that you're supposed to have. So either just make it, it is fictional, therefore they never die because it's fictional. Or if it's real, then if you kill them, you have to actually commit to kill. Here's the thing. I won't say forever. 10 years. How about that? 10 years you have to kill them for. You can't bring them back a couple of years later and go, but he's back. He's back. So in a way it did, because essentially it just spawned this thing that they do now, where what you do in comics, what is you have this stupid idea of the continuum, but anytime you like, you can reset it using those world events and you can bring a character back and you can reset and you can start or you reboot a character. And it's just a bit whack. I do think it's a bit lame. They also turned it. Superman into a blue electricity guy there for a while. That's it. How stupid. Look it up. When you even see the suit, Monty, it's aged so badly. If you just do Glimmage Search, like it Superman looks so blue. late it's 90s, so early 2000s. Like... It looks like the guy who created it literally had cocaine under crumbs under his nose, Monty. Some of those reflective ski glasses. And he was like, radical, man. This is going to be cowabunga. Like, get the fuck out of the fucking studio. This is my life, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are the most prestigious hobbies? So here's, I think that this question is just wrong. I don't think there are the most prestigious hobbies. Here's what I like about people's hobbies. I like people to be utterly fucking dedicated to their hobbies. I want to meet, the, I think almost any hobby can be prestigious or interesting if you are psycho enough to be a master at it. You know what I mean? If you have really done the deep cut, because honestly, People who have very like surface level knowledge or understanding of a broad variety of topics are far less interesting to talk to than that one guy who knows everything about some super obscure topic. So I think any hobby can be prestigious as long as you go deep enough into it. It make you can make you can bring the prestige through your own dedication and knowledge of a topic. To me, the answer is anything that's either a, an art or it's something like it's a very high level of execution. So like, for example, like fencing, dancing, singing, playing a musical. I think these are mega because not only do they do something to you, but then you can actually share that gift with the world and people around you. Or even just if you need a comic reading, chances I just you enjoyed that, you know, <laughs> even just oh, reading way, no, deeply. If people don't know, Anyone who tells you Kanye West, a certain guy in Romania who tells you books are rubbish, are morons. Almost every billionaire, the number one thing they do every day is read for hours and hours and hours. As many books they can get on every topic. Yep. And there's a great line. I mean, you've probably heard it before where it says something like, you know, the man who doesn't read lives one lifetime. The man who reads yeah. like a lot reads like, can live a thousand, basically, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, especially because we live in an era unlike any other in human history where you can download any fucking book ever. It's not even hard to find obscure books anymore because they've been digitized almost every time uh, effectively. Yes. Like you live in a world of infinite books and infinite information. Like you put the library of Alexandria to shame, one of the pinnacle, you know, creations of its era. And you have access to that for basically free. 
So it's your own this fault if you're not fucking interesting right now. <laughs> you know this. We all said it. We all did it, guys. Don't worry. We all said the same rhetoric. We all said, I'm not going to get the electronic reader because I prefer the feel of a book in my hands until you realize that I go on a plane with 300 books in yep. my fucking tiny thing that is very light. That can't be beaten. Those Kindle, it's, it's OP as fuck. It's actually probably, no joke, probably the greatest ROI investment you could ever make. Bear in mind, they're like, what, 20 euros or something, and you just put 300 books on there. <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty yep. good. I mean, the combination of that and YouTube, it's you could basically know or learn anything these days. So if you Mate, suck... I'll give you an example. If you suck, I've the only reason you suck is you. <laughs> oh, it does. I've been to events in CSGO where Semler, who's a big reader, he, I would be at the airport and I'd be like, oh, I'm reading this mega book. He would, uh, in the cafe, download it as we speak, and then he read it on the plane. That's OP. Make advice, take use of the tech people. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, nobody likes the, the, the fucking Kindle as much as they like a book, but the Kindle has other advantages for sure. I just use both. Yes. And yeah, you can too. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Swiss stage draw show, but I thought it was hilarious that to the to show that draw wasn't rigged, they took suggestions from the crowd to randomly switch the orders of the bags, but then Mata ends up choosing whatever bag he wants anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the argument is they could have coached Mata to take specific bags. So if Riot did want to rig it, the draw was extremely riggable. What are the moment? What what are the worst potentially rigged or suspicious moments in sports slash esports? That, for example, the Patrick Ewing the froze an envelope in the NBA. I don't know what that is. Let's let's just do sports. Oh, basically, I'll tell you what that one is. When the draft was coming up for Patrick Ewing to be the number one pick, the Knicks, right? Everyone wanted the Knicks to get him who did. And so what they claim is that the way they rigged it is when you reached in for the envelope to get your pick, cold. that one of them had been frozen. So when yeah. you felt it, you knew that was Patrick Ewing and then the Knicks got him or whatever. I don't even know if that's true. It's an interesting one. To me, the obvious ones go like this. This is why you Brady stands will never get it. The reason why I think Bill Belichick is the GOAT is because I think he is unbelievable at every aspect of coaching and making teams and defense, but he's also an outrageous, fucking egregious, unethical cheater. Bro, he actually, no joke, you can make a case he cheated in all three of the first Super Bowl titles of the Patriots. Like, it's insane. Like, I, I, I forget which order it is. One of them was the Spygate and he saw them play. I think it was maybe the Rams. He saw the players. So the greatest show on turf wasn't the greatest show on turf because he saw the players. Another one was one where it's like something similar, like, you know, the, some calls were there. Like the amount of cheating is unbelievable from that guy. It's unfucking blitz. So there got, he's got to be one of my top ones of all time. Is there any ones from sports that stand out to you? Because we're not going to do esports. Because spoiler, I've got in trouble from that in the past. Yeah, we know too much about esports. Uh, you know, we can't. A lot of the stuff we know isn't even public, frankly. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, here's the sad thing, Monty. All I'll say is I hinted at this when I did a video, but like, there's a reason I don't like Om from JDG, but I don't yep. think it's necessary time to say that. But I might do it one day. I might just come out one day. Basically, if I quit esports, but I'll just get fucking Jack Daniels and tell you all. But for now, you'll just have to wonder why I don't like him. You know, yeah. you just have to wonder. Yeah. Is there any other sports ones you think were cheating, though? Some crazy. I think the NFL one is probably the one that, especially the stuff with Belichick that, yeah, that I know more about. Um, I mean, there's there's obviously like classic ones. Like, the, well, I'll give you one. I'll, I'll give you a couple from. Uh, oh, go on. What was the classic one you were going to say? Well, I mean, recently, like the Houston Astros and like the the trash can hitting in the World Series, where they were they had like okay. broken the code on the calls, and so were were telegraphing oh, right. by hitting that trash can oh, with that, the baseball like a baseball bat in the in right, the okay. dugout. Uh, okay. That was pretty egregious. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, I'll give you a couple that I think uh, people forget about. So one of them, one of the best fighters of all time at his weight was Jose, Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo, sorry, he's not Mexican. Jose Aldo, because he's Portuguese. Right? Jose Aldo, when he was fighting Chad Mendes, was about to get taken down, and he just held on to the cage like that and didn't get taken out. And then one second later, knocked him out. That's so... That If you don't know, that's literally cheating. You're not allowed to hold on the cage like that. So I hate shit like that, basically. Cheating. Another one is like when people do that thing where they pretend they got like need when they're a downed opponent in the UFC, but they did it really like, I hate all that shit. I, th I think it just ruins the sport. Unfortunately, sadly, at least in that one, Monty, do you know what's funny? You can make a way better case for why you should cheat in mixed martial arts than in American football in mixed martial arts. The guy might kill you. Like I'm trying to stay alive, but I'm not trying to let him just destroy me. <laughs> the other one's just a bloody game. You know what I mean? Like the other one's just a game. So whatever. Last year, Thor yeah, made wait, a video. Yes, I'll give you one more. I'll just throw one more out there. It technically wasn't cheating by the player, but one of the all-time best NBA Finals games was in 1988. It was in Game 6, and the Pistons were about to beat the Lakers and topple them, and they were the dynasty at the time. And Isaiah Thomas, in the third quarter, on a broken leg, scored like 20 points, Monty. And then at the end of the game, which was really close... The refs called a phantom foul against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar like on him as he got the free and they and the Lakers won on free throws, went to game seven, won and won the championship. Like that's one of those ones where I'll just say it right now because like David Sterling coming out the grave to fucking sue me. I think they just rigged it to make the Lakers win me. I don't think they wanted the Pistons to win, you know? Mm. Uh, last year, Thorne made a video on Jensen titled The Prodigal Son Returns. Which player do you think has the best Prodigal Son narrative where they returned to a previous team and found greater success? Deft DRX, right? Uh, oh, because he wasn't DRX, which over. Yes, true. People forget to different. He was. Squad. He yeah, was true. on. He Wolverine. was both. So yeah. remember, King Zone Dragon X and DRX are also the same team. He was on King Zone Dragon X. They changed their name yeah, to yeah. DRX. He went to. He went to Hanwha, and then he came back to DRX and fucking won worlds on DRX. That seems like one of the top ones. It has to be. That's pretty good. It's not that many, actually. I think I'm trying to think what's a really good prodigal son return, though. Oh, an obvious one would be Carrigan going back to FaZe Clan. He came back to FaZe Clan oh, and then true. won the Grand Slam and the Major and, and made them number one. And he was like, everyone thought that was the one move that never happened again. So there's a good one. Yeah, there's a good couple. Uh, I'm a fan of Victorian literature after taking a class about that period. So curious if you knew about the Bronte sisters. Uh, I mean, yes, I do. Enough to rank them as authors by their works. Uh, if not, then I'd like to know what English literature you enjoyed during that era. So this would be late 19th century literature. Um, so this would be like Wuthering Heights, I guess, if we're talking about the Bronte sister. I mean, it's fine. So it would be like Dickens. Uh, I guess Kipling probably falls into that. It's specifically British literature. I'm, I'm not going to lie. This isn't like my favorite period of literature. In theory, you could also pick like Edgar Allan Poe or something, couldn't you? You know, this is something out there. I don't care about this era right. at all, man. So, so Victorian, I think, technically is just British literature. Well, it has um, to be. I thought you just meant the era. Cause, okay. Yeah, because otherwise, look, my, my personal take is that American literature. Okay, all that shit. Yeah. True. Yeah. Uh, the, American hmm. literature was kind of more banging during this period. Um, in my opinion, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of that. Like, cause I mean, you have to remember that when the Bronte sisters and like Charles Dickens were active, we also, so I think obviously my name is Monte Cristo. I think Dumas is better than Dickens as far as 
popular authors go. And he was also active during this period. And I think Moby Dick was the single best book written during this period. That was American. So I don't know. It's okay. I know what my answer is. My answer is just going to be Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes stories. There you go. Ah, that, that, that's, that's a great choice. <laughs> and that's also, great if choice. you're a Zoomer, the stories are very short. You can just read like one story at a time. They're not super long. Yeah. Um, I like the I like the romantic poetry previous prior era to Victorian a little bit better. So. Uh, I'm just checking what year this was. Uh, technically, you could also have Frankenstein, Monty. That's 1818, apparently. So it's a pretty good book. It's actually quite readable. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, apparently, oh, it's the year after. Apparently, 1819, she was born. Oh. So I can't have that one. Okay. They got yeah, me on yeah. that one. They got me on uh, that one. Yeah, yeah. I, so I think I think the Victoria reign technically was like 1840s. I guess maybe 1830s. Okay. Um, so I'd have to start then. Whatever. It's it's mid. <laughs> did you guys read Calvin and Hobbes growing up? I absolutely did. I fucking adore Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, I was of the age that I would like wake up in the morning and read it in the newspapers. I think it is the best like newspaper comic that's ever been made. It is uniquely charming. Uh, as a kid, I really identified with it. There is, there is a lot of magic I think in Calvin and Hobbes and also fucking mega shout out to Bill Watterson who never sold out, never let sure, anybody yeah. do with anything with his IP, never turned it into an animated show. And after 10 years, he was just like, I'm done. And then he just lived his life. He didn't make it last until the end of time. He had a beautiful fucking oeuvre of work. And now he just does watercolor pictures in a house in Ohio, chilling and not making he probably could have made hundreds of millions, if not a billion Easy. dollars with the Calvin and Hobbes yeah. empire. He did have made a movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that it man's is obvious. Insanely I, good. I was never a Calvin Hobbes reader. I've only read it a few times. It didn't vibe with me. The obvious one for me is Peanuts. I think Peanuts is one of the best of all time. Sure. It's mega consistent. And what, what I'll say is this. If you're someone who ever suffers from depression, anxiety, just feeling down, feeling like a doomer, like the world's... Pick up a fucking Peanuts book. It's There's no darkness in there. It's all just like fucking, it's so like safe, fun. It's well written. There's actually story arcs, but at the same time, there's one-off story. It's, it's fucking mega. It's a really good, really good one. <laughs> yeah. I, same, same thing with Calvin and Hobbes. Actually, I think when I was like seven or eight, um, this was when Calvin and Hobbes was still in the newspaper. Spaceman Spiff was actually one of my childhood Halloween costumes. So there are pictures of me floating around. So I was I was a huge fan. I was a huge fan as a child. It, it was I I think back very fondly to that period of my childhood. Here's the and, thing, Monty. I actually do think Peanuts holds up though. Whereas the difference is, when I was a pleb, aka a child, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. When I was a child, I did childish things. But I used to think Garfield was good. I know oh, I was I was a child. I was a child at the time, okay? I was a child, okay? Oh, I would never read that, obviously. By by the way, by the way, just as a banger, there's like a Twitter account that's Garfield without Garfield, which makes it seem like the most depressing shit on earth where they just, they like Photoshop Garfield out as just like John talking to a wall and it is so funny. Uh, It's just, it's insanely nihilistic. But 
yeah, that Garfield is garbage. Garfield is garbage. Wait, wait, wait. But, Speaking of the joke I made earlier, I've got a mad thing I saw online. This is where, you know, here's the problem, Monty. I don't know if you know this, but I'm not, I don't think actually pranks that are mean are funny. I think a prank has to be totally harmless for it to be funny, right? So this isn't something I would recommend anyone do. I actually think it's fucked up, but it was vaguely funny. Someone did in the modern day, Monty, because of how advanced printers are. They took a Where's Waldo book, scanned it in, digitally removed Waldo, printed it out, and made a book again. They gave it to their kid. <laughs> it's taken forever. It's not, there is no Waldo. I mean, it's funny as an idea, but don't do it for real. That's fucking You're going to give him trust issues forever. Uh, worst rebranding Dom1 to D or Twitter to X? Dom1 to D is mate, really bad. Mate, I'm calling this right now. Twitter is a shit name. X isn't isn't even offensive. It's neutral. Yeah, that's how you know people are just on some like stupid shit. Y'all are the motherfuckers who told me I'm off to threads, guys. Why are you still on Twitter then, dickhead? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me a break. That's not even that bad a name. It's totally fine. Yeah, I don't think the name really matters. Uh, ah. Rank the, rank the following Western ADCs individually in their primes: Double Lift, Reckless, and Forgiven. Well, I think Forgiven probably had the peak. In terms of like, we're not talking, yeah, just prime. Oh, I think prime. If people don't know, in his prime for real, while he was still good, in, in scrims, um, Forgiven has done stuff like just heads up beat Wei Zhao. For real. I've, I mean, if people don't know, the saddest thing of all, Monty, is all those stories where there was two or three times Forgiven almost came to NA, but the stupid GMs kept cocking him and telling him you have to do a trial or play for your spot with like some NA player so he wouldn't come. He could have been on CLG, I think maybe on like fucking Team Liquid or something. It's outrageous the teams he could have been on, mate. So I think, forgiven number one, number two, it's hard because here's the thing. I always thought Reckless's quality was consistency and being like the sure. cleanup ADC, whereas Doublelift was more the hard carry ADC. But at the same time, it's hard on that one. They're both, they were both very good in their prime. Yeah, I think, though, the problem is like Reckless is not a player that you rank based on his peak. You rank on yes. average form. Korea, it was yeah. definitely better than both double lift and and oh, he wins this easily yeah and That's forgiven on uh, what's your favorite esports content to make well the content we're doing at lfn is pretty great right now we're, we're we're trying to build this company on the content that we like to make i mean i like to make those short videos like the deft one and the fucking yeah, one yeah. about uh jensen that, that sort of short ones i like to do been listening since 2015 finally able to support lfn myself thank you uh, and thank you for all the content. As Worlds is happening, I was thinking back on previous years. In 2020, Fnatic went up 2-0 against Top in quarterfinals, only to get reverse swept. While that team was one snarky, self-made or reckless comment from imploding, could they have beaten Suning in the semifinals? Yeah, that was a weird year because, like, that was Suning should just not have made the finals, but they weren't that good. It's just the problem was it got into a very weird LPL versus LPL like fiesta. And top lost, um, but neither team played like they did. You know, it, it's like it's like this year when we saw Gam play against Wales. I thought Wales was the better team, but for some reason they just inted versus Gam Gam in the domestic matchup, right? And I thought we saw the same thing. I made the comment at the time that it was very similar to to that series in particular. So I do think it may it may have been possible for them to beat Suning because I think Suning was just a worse team against the field. I don't think they would have, and here's why. First of all, the part the part no one ever mentions about that series that is criminal is the fucking Yuyanjia guy in the support was so agree. That was almost match-fixing levels of dog shit, the way he played that game. And then I'll just say this. The problem you have is 
the two players who were the carry players at the time that you're hoping to have is obviously Bwipo Toplin and Reckless ADC. They'd be going against Bin and Huafeng, who at the time were having monster fucking tournaments. And then for Jungle, Southmade was actually carrying some of those games. Mate, SOFM is a mad underrated jungler. This guy was very intelligent. Like, I think, unfortunately, he would have run rings around fucking... Um, Thing it's just because that was Casa. Casa can admit he can fuck the game up. So SOFM, I think, would have outbrained um, self made. So I, I think they wouldn't have won anyway. I wouldn't worry about it. Personal top five league casters of all time. I assume this is. The, by the way, this is because of my video, isn't it? I was going to say, that's exactly. You just made a video about Atlas be. uh, being the be. greatest. <laughs> Gotta be. By the way, here's the thing. We'll do it like overall. We'll do play by play and color. So, like, give me some of yours. Who would be? Who are the obvious names to you? Uh, I think Atlas is way up there. I think honestly, Cadrol. Uh, after this last year, Deficio. Uh, who else? I'm trying to make a short list right now. I mean, Jats Papa longevity. Smithy. Yeah, Papa Smithy. Jats longevity Jats is super definitely. good. Uh, obviously, we're not going to do me on here. I mean, Doa super underrated. Joe Miller, if we're going old school. Joe, dude, Joe Miller actually is maybe one of the most naturally talented casters Not I have ever me. seen. It, he yeah. his just raw talent is crazy. Let me see. I'm just going to do mine quickly. All right, here's my top five. I'm going Monte Cristo number one. If you were there, you were there. If you weren't, <laughs> suck a dick. Number two, I'm going to go Jat. I've always said, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's very good. Number three, I'll go Papa Smithy. I thought his consistency was absurd. Yep. Never did a bad cast Very big life. professional too. I'm gonna... Yep. Number four, Deficio. I just thought he made, in my opinion, he... Quickshot brought the entertainment and the pizzazz. Deficio made the actual analysis legit. I mean, I also could have put Kreppel there, but obviously for obvious reasons, we tend to not remember him. And then I'll go number five, Atlas. I actually think Atlas is just a very good cast. Like I said, yep. look, dude, I made this point in the video. He's now casted in Korea longer than you. It doesn't oh, feel yeah. like that should be possible. Oh, yeah. He's done like five or six years now, but it's crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, No, I, yeah. He's lived in Korea longer than I ever lived in Korea. I actually was out at dinner with him the other night at a, a great time. Also, just like, honestly, the nicest human oh, being ever. I don't know if you said him, but obviously Captain Flowers can go on the list from you. I don't like him, so fucking. <laughs> I like Captain I'm Flowers. It's not five. He'd be like my eighth best or whatever. There you go. That's still good. Uh, there's been a lot of casters in League of Legends of all time. I, I mean, I think I love I love Papa. Um, I love Atlas. I love Deficio. I think and Jat has to be up there. Jat, that's just you know these guys have all been the consummate professionals, and I think Doa was incredibly underrated. I think Doa had a very special ability to make you have fun in games that sucked. And I think he is literally the best person in esports history at making shit games fun. Uh period. Period. <laughs> I'll give you one name that no one would put on the list, but this is why I'm here, Monty. If you want a sleeper pick, Clement Chu, LPL, yeah, yeah. LMS. This guy knew his shit. Yeah, there are a lot of good casters, though. This is not to slight other casters. There have been a lot of good casters in League of Legends. I think Cadrill was definitely getting there. It's just, I love, you know, I think Cadrill did a really good job. He did of, a couple of years is the problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he didn't He didn't necessarily have the In my have opinion, the like, year three, four, five is when you hit your stride, you know. You're not going to be your best in year one, you know. Yeah. Yep. So I think, I think. Anyway, I think one last question, on though. Here's the thing, Monty. Don't do this bullshit where it's like, ah, no, I can't say my son. Muhammad Ali said he was the greatest ever. Are you in the top five? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I'm number one. Okay. Do you know me? Just checking. Okay. There you go. Okay. okay, just checking. Just checking. Making sure. <laughs> because here's 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 the thing, Thorin. Uh, when you know when I was at like my peak in 2013 to like 2015, I definitely had the best game knowledge, and I was doing this. I, I was. I was doing so many things. I was running like that Cadrel I will dominate insanity schedule where I was also coaching CLG. I was watching all these other regions. I was casting 10 best of threes a week. I was a fucking psychopath. And I did that because I wanted all the game knowledge I could have. And I was uniquely positioned in Korea in order to engage that. And the other thing that I have that no one else has is there is still not a desk moment more fa more famous than one I did 10 years ago. 10 years ago. It's still the most famous on-camera moment in esports, period. So I have an acting background. So I brought showmanship that literally nobody else had at the time. And I had to do it all myself. Riot didn't set me up to do that. They I did it without Riot knowing that I was doing it. So I, I I innovated so hard, so hard. That's all. Let me give me a, co a couple of thoughts. If people weren't there, obviously most of you weren't in the early 2010s when Monty was doing the casting. You have to understand, it's like those stories of when you say, like, if a guy went back in time now, we'd be better. Monty had loads of the modern casting things. Back then, Joe Miller used to just use talent. He used to just use, I can talk very quickly and I never support myself. Other people, Quick Shot's whole thing was, I just know all the names of the champions and all the abilities and all the fucking, like, that's gimmick to me. When Monty did it, one, as someone who wasn't a league person, he used to explain what patch we are on and what the champions are. That's standard now. That wasn't standard back then, Monty. They used to just cast the game. Then Monty would always outline, this is every NFL broadcaster does this now, he would outline win conditions for both teams, how they can win this match, who they can play through. Then he would talk in the game about rotations. At the time, the perception was win lane, win game in a team fight. No, Monty would explain he, he will rotate off and help them on the bot lane. And then lastly, wave management to this day is barely understood. Everyone pretends they know it, but you never mention it on Gen G, you stupid motherfuckers. You just think Trophy wins. You don't know what the team does. So wave management is, I think, when I learned about that from people like you, N-rated, I was like, this is the most underrated concept in the game. Chouster was right in season two. The game isn't about fucking kills and barons. It's about fucking wave. It's about minions and lanes and towers, sorry. Minions and towers is what League of Legends is about. Yeah, and also you can just watch my bangers only VOD reviews that I've been doing during Worlds and I will show you dumb shit like where Genji teleports in lane and how they set things up and it's all the stuff that's not even on camera guys and we can't see it cuz Riot refuses to give us replays. Uh so yeah, it was a good time. Uh I recently watched Thorn's video comparing uh Take Bang Lee Sang to the Big 4 in tennis, which was very interesting, as that video is six years old now, and the careers of the big four have continued to develop. Do you think any of those comparisons have changed, or would you, or would be different if you made that video now instead of six years ago? <laughs> Do you remember this video? Oh, that is... <laughs> I don't remember which players I get. I just know that I made Andy Murray obviously stalk because he won the least, but he was really good and he would have won in another era. But I can't remember which order I made the rest in. So I would just do the modern one like this. Obviously, the player who's advanced the most is Djokovic because he sort of became the most well-rounded player ever. So he'd probably actually be, I think he should actually be Jadon, not Flash, because I think they were equally good personally. And the thing about Jadon was he had insane skills. He was good at every matchup and he was mega clutch. So I think Jadon, he can be Jadon. I guess I would put... Um, 
flashes Federer because I think overall for me he's the best. He was the best in every context. He could every you know again. And now I would guess I guess Bisu will be Nadal here. Now look, Bisu was more mechanics and stuff. Nadal's more like insane heart return. And then Andy Murray stays his stock. So there's there's the updated version for you. Name a PC game and a piece of television that you are looking forward to watching slash playing in 2023 and 2024, excluding Napoleon. Oh, man, we can't pick Napoleon. <laughs> so wait a minute, it's, a, it's television or a movie and then a, and a game. Yeah, a, a PC game and a, and a piece of television slash movie right. that we're Here's looking for. Here's the joke. I don't, I don't play games. So it's when it's actually fixed, I want to play CS2. There's my joke. And then for television and movie, yeah, Napoleon one sounds pretty good. Uh, who else is even doing anything? Let me you 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 do something. I'll I'll look something up. I actually don't even know what's coming out. I, I am so no, insulated. The, the problem, guys, is that I am so fucking insulated from advertising that I literally just have no idea what is like. I don't really see a lot of game or movie advertisements or trailers. Uh, so I don't really, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't really know. I'm just trying to find one for movies. I'm sure I can find one. I'm just looking up like people on IMDb where it says the upcoming movies. I'll just find one in a second, then we'll do that in a second. All right. No, nah, I can't. It, there wasn't one. Fuck. Let me up. <laughs> Director. It is is the, the boys season the four like coming out? <laughs> I guess I'm kind of interested. I guess I'm kind of interested in the next season of the boys, even though the last season of the boys ended really badly. Now, I don't right, know, I, put it this way: I can't, I can't name one specifically, but any of my favorite directors so it could be like Wong Kar Wai, fucking David Cronenberg, Christopher Nolan, any P.T. Anderson, any of these people, any of their movies. I'm looking forward to. There you go. Yep. Uh, what are your thoughts on this world's? Oh my god. It's a world's format question. So what are our thoughts on this world's formats? Four or five team groups for the group stage, single round robin, best of threes. Okay, so we have 20 teams in four groups doing best of threes. Got it. Five for LPL and LCK, seven combined for LCS and LEC, three minor regions for uh, decided by the international wildcard attorney. Top seed from each group goes straight to double elimination part of playoffs. So we get four teams. It's a bit like TI. It's yeah, a bit it's like TI. We go to the four bracket. teams yep. straight into double elimination quarters. Second and third from each group go to wild card single elimination part of playoffs. Oh, okay. So they quite similar to TI actually. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Uh, okay, so basically, the second and third teams don't get an extra life, but the top four teams do. Winner of wild card round goes to. Oh, okay. Never mind. It, they're just saying second and third play each other for the last spot in double limb quarterfinals. Yes. Um. Okay. Fair. So it's not going to different. It's not going to the bottom, the losers bracket. It's just those teams play one best of five each to decide who goes to quarters. Uh, one more rule: no teams from the same region can play in the wild card or first round of the double. No, that's dumb. Uh, you have to be able to have teams of the same region play in the Skip first that. round. It ruins it. Yeah, yeah. It ruins of it. the double elimination bracket because honestly, at the at that point in time, your qualification for the bracket is so robust that it, you just have to accept that regions will have to play each other because otherwise, it's just it could fuck up the bracket really badly. Because if you have like th four Korean teams and three Chinese teams, like you know, it, it just gets really stupid at that point in time. Uh. I mean, I think it's fine. I would prefer that to what we have now, but there's a lot more games in that format because you're you're playing five team round robin best of threes. That's a lot of games. 
uh, it's a more robust format, so I like it, but I just don't think it's possible at Worlds because they, they won't have the time to do that format. It's very similar to this year's TI format. That's why I'm actually quite suspicious about the question. Except the tiebreaker thing. You don't skip to the bracket anymore. You play a tiebreaker against one against two and three out of the other group. My only problem is this. That sounds really good for the getting the playoffs. But you have to remember, the difference between League Worlds and TI is TI is also best of three in the playoffs, but it's double a limb. So my problem is, you definitely can do it, Monty. They do it every year at TI. You just don't play it one game on stream at a time. But Riot refuses to acknowledge multiple streams can exist. So I, there's no problem. You can run that format in a couple of weeks. It's just they won't, they won't do it. So I actually think it sounds great. It sounds like an excellent format, quite frankly. I would love to see that. All right, we're going to do one more question, guys, because we actually do have to report record Competitive Edge after this, and I need to sleep at some point in time. Um, so we'll have to ask other questions in the future. There are a lot this week. Um, <laughs> classic. I've been mind-blown with people on Reddit suggesting that single elimination is better format than double elimination for Worlds. I've been on this crusade for 10 years, guys. I can't win the battle. I can't. These people are too dumb. My first mistake, I guess, was reading Reddit. How do I cure myself of this Reddit affliction? How frequently do you guys still browse Reddit now that it's no longer a primary source of viewership for you guys? I mean, I still look at it because there's interesting news on there, but it is a waste of time to read other people's, like, pleb opinions. Unfortunately, the League of Legends subreddit used to have a lot of people commenting, but now it's it's kind there's not so many people on it anymore and it's the same like group of very weird people making all the comments these days that just repeat a bunch of lies or are wrong about stuff so it's actually just pointless to go into the comments there used to be kind of like a wider diversity of opinions but now the group think of just like a few very uh eternally online people has kind of dominated it unfortunately this way it's one thing if someone goes i don't like monty as a caster now they accuse him of killing people so that made it not so fun to read anymore yeah, exactly. so all i'll say is this like the only reason i read reddit is just to have some vague sense of what some fans in the world think so that i can either like show a good call or dog shit opinion that's about it this is just for react content i actually think it's a somewhat worthless format now the joke is i mean it'll make people sound like a boomer but as much as I hate the way it was moderated, mate, though, that like flat format Team Liquid style of post-game threads was about a million times better for game discussion. They were doing real actual nerd discussions of builds and fucking things. This is really, like you say, it's just some dog shit echo chamber of popularity. Like, I, of course, Riddler is the best, but no actual analysis, just that, that opinion <laughs> to the top of a thread. You know what I mean? Give me a break. Yeah, it, it, you know, what's crazy is you can tell how few people are actually getting content from Reddit now. I've talked about this before and you brought this up, but it was true that 10 years ago in League of Legends, if you were top five in a video on that subreddit, you would legit get like 50 or 100,000 views. It was incredibly yes, important to your yep. content because the YouTube al algorithm wasn't good. It was one of the few ways you could drive significant traffic. If yep. we get if when our shit hits top five on Reddit now, you can literally look at YouTube analytics and it's like 2000 views. It is completely irrelevant you notice that tells you every by the way the same thing happened with twitter monty twitter doesn't generate much you know why you know that thing they they added onto twitter where when you retweet the article you didn't read it goes do you want to read it first and then you click no and it still retweets it that's all reddit and twitter became it became morons who don't read or watch the content commenting on what they didn't read or watch based on a title or yep. the person in it it became the stupidest version of a discourse ever well i think also now 
the algorithms may in fact be the downfall of humanity. But for me right now, they really fucking rule because they're really good. Uh, yeah, they're really good at serving you the content you want. And that's how most people get it. They just go on YouTube and because they've watched our videos or because they're subscribers, they get the videos delivered to them by YouTube. And most people, I think, just prefer that because you don't have to wade through the cesspool of morons on Reddit or be at – you don't have to rely on them to actually find shit that you like because they're going to upload, upload a bunch of pleb shit a lot of the time too. It may not be of interest to you. So honestly, like the YouTube algorithm does most of the work for – for content these days in my opinion so That's what's, what's the lie, point yeah. even though <laughs> even though it's actually fucking me monty because i have 250k subs and i'd like the sub box because i'd get all the views it's the joke is because it gives me so much content too that i wouldn't know about I, it, i'll take the wolf from this move as we say it's just pretty good in it <laughs> yeah um so yeah that'll do it for this week sorry we didn't get to everything right now guys uh it's just this episode is already like almost three and a half hours long and uh i have to sleep at some point in time i'm in korea so we're, we're recording this pretty late but you know what you don't have to wait too long because we're going to come with another episode right after the swiss stage ends so this is the part of worlds where we do like you know episodes every four or five days instead of uh every week and we've got plenty more to come for the rest of the year so thank you guys all very much for watching, and we will see you in just a few days by the time the next phase of Swiss ends. So till then.